Welcome to Don't Worry About It with Neeks. On tonight's episode, we've got Carter Tate. Welcome. What's up, fellow listeners? Happy to be doing this. Happy to have a good friend on. And um, yeah, we were talking before about in uh, relationships with friends and also just general discussions uh, about almost anything. It's hard to find a... Um, people who can consider, you know, the varying positions of, um, and, and the, the trade-offs of certain positions when, when in those discussions. And, um, I think it's, I mean, we established that it's like, it's definitely worth finding that, that medium point, finding the, the gray area between yes, you're right, or no, you're completely wrong and seeing the nuances of those arguments, but it's always hard to, um, you know, get people to see that as well. And it's, it's something I've noticed with, with my friends, and it's been hard to, like, sustain relationships when those people, you know, constantly take the offense, constantly are, sure. are, are willing to fight. Um, how do you see uh, a change in that? with some people finding that change finding that change I think you know it, like you said it's certainly very difficult to maintain a relationship with someone who doesn't see gray and, you know the, this climate's extremely polarizing and everyone's encouraged to take a side on things and something that our you know uh, our ex-coach um, said a lot was that it often takes you know, a bigger man to find a gray area. It often takes a bigger man to, you know, acknowledge two sides of something rather than just sticking to one. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we, we see in our everyday life people being increasingly encouraged to be very standoffish um, and very absolute in what they believe because they believe that they won't be listened to or heard if they're not totally sold on their own opinion. Yeah. Um, and that, that can be very destructive in, in many ways because it, there's, there's, there's no, simply no way to listen to somebody else if you're only thinking about how you're going to support your next thought. Yeah, yeah. there's also the big element of um, the reframing of a part of that. I mean, part of like establishing the fact when, when someone is in this position, sure. establishing that they're probably not going to listen to the other side of your argument. Yeah. It makes it way easier for them to reframe your argument in a way that, makes their point better, basically elevates their point and makes your point almost irrelevant and and it and it, de- it like demonizes it in a sense and it's it's so frustrating because you know finding that is is um <clears throat> finding that in people is hard to do because you have to when you when you have these discussions there's a lot of opportunity for the emotional aspect to come in um you can you know, frame something or you can, you know, present an argument a certain way and it can, it can feel like a personal attack a lot of the times, but there's, when, um, when you can establish that there is no personal attacks, when you can establish that there's a, there's not a goal of making you feel bad about yourself, but rather that I want to, I want to, you know, make it clear that my position is here, your position is here, and then I want to see where we can either disagree and agree and find the gray areas as well. 
when that is not established, there's almost no room for growth or any progression in those discussions. And I just don't, like, it is so hard now to see with some people. Like I was telling you earlier about one of my friends, like we, we'd have these discussions and every time I'd finish a point, it was like, oh, so you're saying that this, this sure. and that. And it was just sure. like, it's not even, it bothered me. But yeah. like, it was, it's so hard. And it's not even malicious a lot of the time. It's, it's a lot of times you're told, um, especially when debating, one way to show that you're listening to the other person is to reframe their argument accurately and say, so what you're saying is this. And then say what they're saying back, and then you go, okay, if that's true, then this. Um, and a lot of people maybe don't listen correctly and aren't perceiving what you're saying. Um, whether that be your fault or their fault, who, who knows? But it is extremely destructive if they mis misconstrue what you're saying and then and are, are sure that's what you're saying, if you know what I mean. Like, yeah. um, if, if they're not open to you saying, no, that's not what I said. I actually said this, and they, and but but they say, wait, you didn't say. That's not what you said. Those aren't your words. Mm -hmm. Well, I meant this, um, and it's something that we had you know a little talk about this before. But it's something Ben Shapiro does incredibly well, and it's why he's so frustrating to argue against. Um, in a lot of the the videos you see of him, you know, destroying liberals or whatever, yeah, yeah. and it's it's cringy to look from the outside. It, it seems like he's just, uh, just plowing through their arguments. It's because he doesn't literally listen to what they're saying, and he misconstrues what they're trying to say. Is he'll go, okay, I hear what you're saying. So what you're saying is this, and he'll produce a kind of a perverted sense of of their point, and they'll be so confused as to how he got to that yeah, <laughs> that yeah. point, and he got that you get lost got, got that thesis the from what they said that yeah. they're like, no, I'm, I'm offended that you took it like that. That's wrong. Yeah, and he'll he's he's a very smart guy, and he'll talk fast enough that they. They don't understand what's it's going on. It's hard to catch up. It's hard it's to hard catch to up once they misconstrue yeah. your argument. And then, then he spins it in a way that makes their argument look stupid and illogical. Mm -hmm. Whereas, because he's not taking it at the deeper value. He's taking it at face value. What seems wrong. What seem, what could be wrong. And you go, oh, that makes sense. But mm -hmm. then you listen to what he's arguing against. Mm -hmm. And you go, it's not really the point. No, yeah. It's almost like it's missed. Yeah. That's happened something too. Intentionally like, missed. Yeah. it's always And to like... It's frustrating that someone like that, who's very intelligent and manipulates conversations very well, very fluidly, so well. uh, and he's famous for it, is doing it on purpose. You know, yeah. he's actively trying to bother you, and well, not not all the time, but for the most part, there is a there is a an intent that is that is like very obviously seen with some people. That is, I'm not listening to you. And because there's nothing you can do that could change even an aspect of my mind, and so I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna make you look worse than you already are, than you already think, or I already think you look, and it just, yeah, there's no, there's no possibility of of a of an actual discussion because there's no there's no sure. back and forth. It's just a, it's it's like two parallel conversations yeah. that are like yeah, but and then this and then it's continuing on the same path but there's never an intersection there's never an addressing of the actual points that are being made yeah there's no attempt for a middle ground there's no attempt for anything no, like that absolutely. and in, in many ways it actually speaks to the, the privilege of him coming into that conversation where he's talking to someone who feels very 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 strongly about a certain issue and they want to address it and maybe you know prove him wrong or yeah. see what he has to say on that um and he has the ability because he's you know very insulated in many ways from the social issues of our times 
to say or to, to adopt the position of objectivity and of it doesn't really affect me what I say. Like I can I can address this from a purely objective point of view because it doesn't really affect me mm-hmm. and I can just make an argument. Whereas the other person has that that aspect of being extremely emotional and they have an emotional attachment to the point that they're making in the same way that Ben doesn't. Mm-hmm. So he can see it and use that to ruin the logic of that person's mm-hmm. argument if you're not careful. Yeah, yeah, there's a lot of that with um, a lot of discussions because it's not even just Ben Shapiro but with and not just the people that no. Ben Shapiro is arguing with. But it's the most notable name. <laughs> yeah, it's just the, yeah, the easiest name right now. But the um, there's a lot of that with emotional... The, the consistency of of a point or a position mm-hmm. and then the emotional attachment of that position. And there's nothing wrong with being emotional about the point. It's just the side effect of being emotional on the point. It can be destructive. Yeah, and then there's an attachment there that you you lose the chance of hearing alternatives and saying, that's fair, sure, but... And there's, there's nothing... There's no acknowledgement of an alternative. There's just you you're a racist, you're a misogynist, and that's it. And there's kind of, and obviously that's, that's, it comes from somewhere. There's not just a simplicity in like jumping to those conclusions. Although there are some people that do that. That's not the point we're making here. In more general terms, it's usually because, and this is like the whole thing about not being able to, to acknowledge that there's an alternative side is that because they don't see what you see, they must just be wrong. They just are wrong. And that's not, that's not a thing. I mean, yeah, no, there is, that is just a flawed way of looking at something. And then they'll say, like, how do you not see what I'm seeing right now? And there's no, it's like, because I'm not you. I'm not you. I'm not deciding that I can now see and experience the same way you are. There's just yeah. a, there's just a, like, a, kind of a, a flawed view of, like, everything around you. Yeah. You're kind of just letting it, letting it manipulate it through your, your emotions and your connection to these specific emotions and identifying with those as being everything that you will ever be and nothing more, nothing less. And that's, and like, it goes to, um, we were talking about politics as well. And obviously like, I'm not a very politically driven person and I'm very lucky that a lot of the issues like with Ben <laughs> Shapiro don't actually bother me very, or sure. don't affect me very much. So I can actually look at things very objectively. But that doesn't mean that the people who are most affected by it and or even feel that they are most affected by it mm. should still like it doesn't mean that people shouldn't be looking able to be looking at things objectively. Of course. Because that gives you the opportunity, again, to look at the rest of the scope, the greater scope of the of the circumstance, and take into account more variables. And then, but still, like, you still have, it's not, I'm not saying lose the object or lose the subjective experience, hold on to the subjective experience. Now apply the subjective experience to the objective reality or all the way around object, apply the objective to the subjective and then, and that will create something that is a little more realistic and, and universal than just a one-sided perspective. Yeah, that is definitely part of the the problem with you know an, an emotional response to a lot mm-hmm. of things is emotions are inherently subjective. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of how it is. And as soon as you get an emo you get an emotional response to a partial argument, you are experiencing something the other side will not experience, mm-hmm. and is very unlikely to experience. So you're, an emotional response to someone who is being objective 
actually is just building a wall in between yeah. you and the other person because yeah. all of a sudden you guys aren't thinking the same way yeah. and you are thinking at a high level, an elevated you know passion, whereas they're just they're down here, they're yeah. they're they're at uh, neutral ground mm-hmm. and um, they're they're even pulsed, you know, um, and there's something to be said for being emotional. I'm not saying emotional is, is necessarily always bad. But if you can be emotional as long as you would evoke the same emotion in the other person in a productive way. Yeah, that's a big part of it. There's like there's a, the productivity of the emotions because there are there's a lot of emotions that <clears throat> produce a lot of you know great and and you know productive things. There's a lot of emotions that are very destructive, and there's a lot of emotions that kind of exist in the middle ground that don't do much, but they 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 kind of will push you to a side, and some issue that I'll see with um, with the discussions that I see having now. And it's like the worst is on like social media because it's like, do you really think you're going to get something done? Yeah. They're talking at each other. They're not They're not actually getting anything out of it. And then there's sometimes there's like one Twitter thread where they're like, oh my wow, God. Wow, you changed my mind. Yeah, there's <laughs> one of those. Well, I was saying like you were talking about like creating the wall. I always use this analogy of, of – um, The ladder one, right? The ladder and the yeah, shovel, yeah, yeah. like the how there's a fence between you that's about you know three feet tall, and that's so it's an established barrier. And then once you start insulting, you start gravitating towards your side, and you start and you just keep going to your side. You just keep digging yourself a hole, and then at one point, you don't even know what you're talking to. You don't even know what you're talking about because there's no. I'm not looking at you. I'm just looking at dirt in front of me. So then I get pissed off even more. You need a bigger ladder. You need a bigger ladder. You need a ladder. Period. Yeah. Get yourself out of that hole, and then be able to just stand over, and then get another ladder, or just climb the fence and be like, "Oh, this is not. This is not different." It's it's the whole like, this kind of the reverse thing of like the grass is green on the other side. Yeah. It's the opposite. They think it's their. The, my grass is greener. Yours is shitty. But it's really not that way. It's probably the same. It's the same grass that's being grown. It's just, it it comes from the same place is kind of what I'm saying. But it doesn't, the way it manifests is obviously going to be different. I mean, there were, even the discussion between you and me, the perspectives we have manifest totally differently because of our, our, our different life experiences. We have a lot of things in common. We find a lot of, you know, connection that, then help sprout all these interests and conversations and like the um and and <clears throat> seeing something and it, it obviously like with with sports it's a lot easier to do because there's affiliation and there's kind of that Easily. that ingrown like just I'm gonna follow you because that's I'm why from we here. Love sports. It's, it's, yeah. It takes down a lot of walls. Yes, yes, that's for sure. I mean, you see like worldwide support for teams. You see worldwide connections made up, made, <clears throat> but then you also see the opposite. Because physicality is is, is a <clears throat> universal language. It's the same mm-hmm. way in music, math. You know, yeah, I always say that. But I, sports, sports is a is a different different story in the way that you can express yourself. Like people always say that the players are artists because they play as an expression of themselves. And then mm-hmm. how, how they play is, you know, how they want to... Well, how they feel how they in feel. that moment yeah. is how they're going to play. Sure. There's a lot of influence. And you, you, there's a personality to how you play the game. There is. That's for sure. Um, um, yeah. Well, like, and another part of that, the, the, the expression through physicality, um, like you mentioned, music, uh, there's something to be said about the apoliticalness of music like when I I don't say apolitical but like a, there's there's social issues that can be addressed that's awesome go for it yeah. there's also pure 
storytelling. There is some where there is just an experience being made, and then there's also there, there's all oh, and the point I'm not really because I, I don't want I don't want to just list through the different ty- <laughs> kinds of kinds of um, lyricism and music. Because I, I would I would separate lyricism in the music from and the, the music, actual music exactly because I would say that there are several like there are songs that are very political and mm-hmm. you know present a certain message, but I think beats is where. That's that's the pure yeah, like that's, the that's pure just part. noise. That's just something um you can't that was something I've appreciated in music. I don't need to like the artist. I don't even need to like the the genre, but if the beat is good, 100%. the music is good and it's done in a well job, I love the song. I don't care. I don't care who it is. I don't care where they stand. I don't care yeah. about the outside things that it, that you know have to do with a portion of that person. And this is going to like also with um you know dogma and and kind of well, the the dogmatic views that that um or dogmatic positions that people in the in positions of power and authority have and that is or not even or influence we'll say because that's that's kind of the biggest one mm-hmm. power does only so much i think influence is a lot more yeah. influential <laughs> there's a lot more change that can be made when you want some when they want to be making that change I'd say influence is a part of power i think yeah it's definitely a part of power but i think the the effect is like when you have power but no one actually listens to you you know you have the position of power you become let's say you become the dictator but is that really power exactly like there's there's that element like is it really power yeah. even you can hold status. the name it's, it's status. status exactly there's status and then there's the the level of influence you have and something i've seen um a lot of for example i i kind of i i listen and read a lot of different uh you know perspectives i mean they and and positions on different stuff and i don't i don't i'm not perfect i mean i i kind of i'll have i'll see a trend across my my like um my my listenership and not I guess my listening and my um, uh, reading stuff or my reading what I read I guess mm-hmm. is what I'm trying to say and um, but a lot of the part is that I don't stick to one person I don't stick to this one um, everything in moderation author. So yeah everything good comes in moderation I like I will I don't think I can see myself ever straying from that expression because yeah. it is so. It balance is the thing you want. Yeah. And there's when you close yourself down to one, for example, people who blindly follow Donald Trump, people who blindly follow Joe Biden, people who blindly follow Jordan Peterson or um well Jordan Peterson, but also people blindly follow uh Ben Shapiro, people who blindly follow these these people who have influence, who have a status because they've worked hard in their in their um in their section of of professional sure. existence, but they're not always right. Like I listen to Sam Harris. I have that waking up app that is run by Sam Harris, but like he has some takes I just don't agree with. <laughs> That's fine. That's totally fine. And the good thing about like the, the app that I, that he has is there's no, he has a couple takes on things, but none of them are political and none of them are, and they're purely surrounding consciousness. There's purely about, uh, you know the mind he's and the existence field. of self. Yeah, it's his it's his field. And then when he kind of steps into these other fields and he tries to be a more generalist in his in his exi- in his uh, expression, there's he's gonna make mistakes. I mean, there's this guy um Gad Sad. I don't know if you've heard of him. He's yeah. a he's an evolutionary psychologist and all like that's his big field and then consumer behavior in economics. So he kind of understands people and why people do stuff. 
<laughs> in a sense. And so what he, he tries to be is a generalist. So he taps into a lot of social circumstances that, um, that are being addressed by only specific people because they have to be, they feel that the specialist people feel that the specialists need to be addressing those issues. Sure. And so for example, he goes on Joe Rogan's podcast and he'll go on, on different people's podcasts while he's getting criticized for it by, by going, well, cause he'll also give lectures at, 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 uh, conferences and, and different and different, uh, more, you know, specific, um, directed, uh, audiences. Sure. And, and a lot of people look for that. And, but the, the, uh, the thing is that when you kind of narrow yourself down, you're giving yourself a, um, a lot, you kind of fall into an echo, you're, you're more likely to fall in an echo chamber unless sure. you're, unless you're, you give like an incredibly hot take, so which you're is saying when you, when you kind of specialize, it's a lot easier to, you know, hit a dead end. I think we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. It's a lot easier to hit a dead end, but it's also a lot easier to come, become associated with people who think the same as you think, think the same as you kind of by virtue of specialization. Um, so what would you say? Like what? What would you say to someone who wants to specialize? Would you say specialize, but also be open to exploring the the realm, like applying your specialization and and other kind places. of tapping into other places of the Renaissance man. In a, I mean, it's <laughs> I don't I don't have like a concept for it, but I like when he when I heard Gad Sad talking about it, it was like he taps into other things and hot, and he'll have like takes on certain things that that um relate that yeah well that they relate to hit what he's talking yeah. about but also or um that spark a lot of controversy like he's very active on social media he kind of it's kind of like his thing where he doesn't get mad it's pretty he's actually a very like funny person as mm-hmm. well but he can he holds down he holds his ground always he's very okay with banter he's very okay with having back sure. and forth on twitter even though he's probably not, he may not change the person's mind yeah. but sometimes he does and so he's open to those discussions. And that's not something that as a specialized psychologist, you're not going to see that. Mm-hmm. You're not going to see like any Amherst professor just jumping on Twitter and being and kind of tapping into different social issues and yeah, trying to create They don't feel a, they have to. No, exactly. They don't feel that the other person deserves it sometimes. Exactly. Yes. And he he sometimes will say that like, yeah, the person probably doesn't deserve <laughs> that, that credit. But by doing that, he says like you – your unfiltered nonsense is not going to fly around here, and yeah. if you and and that's something that like gen, I think generalization to a certain extent because he does it a good job. I mean, he's still a very focused person. He he writes in um, psychology uh, magazines, and he, you know, he he still works. He does a ton of research, but he he'll also write things outside of his his um his spectrum of of uh, or specialization, and that's something that I think going back. To the like the ideologies thing, and, and kind of seeing that there's there's gray areas. There's an ability that, for example, if, if you're a neuroscience neuroscientist and you're you're a you're a surgeon and, and a brain surgeon, there's a lot that you could know about the behaviors of people through the manipulation of a brain. Yeah. There's things like that. That's something that like interdisciplinary kind of, discussion. Exactly, yeah. interdisciplinary and people can. I feel like that level of influence is something that is um, is very much appreciated in on a grand scheme of things. But when it's a specialized, like if you if within that community yeah. of 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 um, that department, they don't 
it's looked down upon. And I don't, I don't see, I don't see how that's, that's like a productive thing because like you were saying, there's, there's an opportunity for a dead end always. And I mean, with generalization, there's also a lot of walls around you. There's more walls though. There's not just a brick wall and that's it. You actually can hit things and then bounce around and get around them to figure out. And, and, and then also it kind of allows for a, um, like a more nuanced way of thinking and allowed more fluidity that, that is kind of not afforded when you're, when you're so deeply specialized. Sure. I think one of the, I'm trying to find the way to say this. Um, I think there's the saying that when you're on, when you're on top evolve or on when you're on top, make sure you're changing. You stay mm-hmm. working and you stay pushing because mm-hmm. the hardest thing to do, I think there's a UFC quote that's like, it wasn't hard getting to the top. It was staying there. It was staying there. Yeah. And that, that's kind of the thing is if you're constantly told you're the best, you constantly say like, oh, this is all I'm focusing on. I've done such a great job on mm-hmm. this field. I've done everything I need to do. You're not going to do more work. Yeah. It, it, there's, there's, it, so why not reach out to someone else who can say, yeah, you suck at this. Mm-hmm. Like you're not good at this. Figure mm-hmm. out how to do this. Figure it Get out. another opinion of, of, of something else. Like, And who knows, as you're growing to do something else, Maybe maybe you grow in other ways, yeah. you know, and and you maybe maybe you tap into something that helps you push past that dead end. Mm-hmm. Well, being okay with failure too—that's yeah. a, yeah. a big thing. That's a big. I've been, I mean, hearing a lot about it, but also experiencing it with with doing this podcast, for example. I mean, mm-hmm. there are podcasts where I'm like, I just dead end. There's not much I'm doing here. I don't yeah. know. It kind of feels like I'm aimlessly just talking, and that's fine. You know, mm-hmm. that, that that's not the, the point, though. The point of our experience is we learn from mistakes we learn from the 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 failures but also the success and how and we create the synthesis that is our existence and kind of build on those to continue to try and get like an evolution of our of our of our existence yeah i think that actually ties a lot into what we were kind of saying and we were talking about the happy medium and such um and how in this global climate what with you know our current president it it, it's increasingly polarizing Mm -hmm. um and he very much promotes this sense of of hyper masculinity. Yeah. Uh, you can't fail. You can't be wrong. Like if you fail, it's because someone else is screwing you over, right? Yeah, blaming outside blaming stuff. others, yeah. blaming outside stuff. And I think there's a quote from, if you remember, his, Trump's cousin. I think it was like maybe Sarah Trump or something like that. Mm. She came out with a book, um, basically saying, "I can't imagine anyone who's." less fit to be president something like that i mean she's yeah. obviously she has a st- she has a stake in it yeah. certainly um and she needs to sell books but to a certain like it has to be and that there's some truth there mm-hmm. sure um and she said something like i can't imagine he will take like he won't accept failure on this election and we've kind of seen him not accept failure yeah, he's yeah. kind of easy you know it's coming around just because everyone's turning on him now yeah but he she goes like failure was worse than death in our family, which is, is a little bit of you know no, hyperbole. But that's, that's definitely something that applies to a lot of people for sure. Yeah, and it's it's talked like with the with masculinity, you're told you can't fail. Mm-hmm. You're told that you have to be right. You're told that you need to represent your point and you need to stick with your point and you will never be wrong. And you're not yeah. if you're proven wrong, you're less less of a man. Yeah. And it's it's not super um it's not productive. And no. I think that again, you know, ties really into everything we've been talking about with how yeah. If you get emotional during a discussion and something like that, you lose because, again, you know, as a man, you're taught to not be as emotional yeah. and, and to kind of hide that emotion. Why? Because it happens to win you arguments sometimes exactly. in life. Or like 
to, to ma- remain objective, remain like that. Like that, you're told that's how you be a good leader. You're told you had that's how you're supposed yeah. to be. And in, in you know modern society, and in an increasingly, um, and in these gender lines that are being blurred. Yeah, it's increasingly helpful to not buy into that hyper masculine. Yeah, that's true. I still like this is to not be. <laughs> mixed with toxic masculinity, sure. which is a thing that is kind of overmade. There are up. certainly There's positive aspects there. of masculinity. Yeah, I'm not absolutely. saying that all masculinity is. There's bad. also positive and negatives of femininity, and yeah. also of of asexuality. Like there's there are trade offs of existence when you play it when you filter that through a lens of gender or of of anything really. Yeah, and so when I said toxic masculinity, I mean yeah. certain characteristics yes. that are associated with masculinity mm-hmm. that have destructive potentials. Yes. And that I mean that's the whole that's the whole like finding moderation again. You you have characteristics that are helpful in certain scenarios, but when they get applied to scenarios that are not helpful, um I'm trying to think like if you're, you know, you have a group project and you instead of allowing to have, you know, uh, positioning, you know, different people do different things. You you try and take over the project, and you try and dominate, and you try and tell people what they're gonna do, and you try to make the decisions for the group. That's something that happens. I mean, obviously, that's a very generalized. I I didn't. That's top of my head right there. But it's something like that, where I think because there is no established, you know, leader in that group. It's just there are, let's say there's four of us in this group project and we're all the same. We're all students and we're all in the same class. We're all the same year. You're not, there's nothing to differentiate from any of Not even your grades are going to differentiate from one of us because yeah. it could just be purely on like your personality that it's going to be differences. Gonna, exactly. And there's so, so something like that doesn't, something where it can be toxic is where there's not a room for, for uh, yeah, for that, for other people to have an input. And so... What I what bothers me, I, and I don't obviously like I don't I'm not totally in the loop of of uh, toxic masculine masculinity. Sure. But I think but I think the male um, existence needs to be appreciated as something that can only be or should only be done, like done in moderation. I think I think anything should be done in moderation as in. Take advantage of what you're good at, right. but remember that you're still a human being. You're still a multifaceted part of, of existence, and you don't have to you don't have to keep tapping into the same things. Because then one day you reach a limit, you reach that brick wall, and then you're just lost. And so, kind of keeping your your feet in multiple multiple areas d- keeps the balance. It keeps it doesn't narrow down your focus all the way into one aspect. Yeah, I totally agree with that and and when we were talking about the uh the whole group uh, delineating yeah. and um giving giving responsibilities kind of it's tough to talk about masculinity without talking about white male privilege which is you know not something i really want to get into mm. um necessarily but it's how you know as white males we're taught that our idea all our ideas matter that we need to stand by like we every everything we do matters mm. and that like your opinion your you it's it's very typical that we assume positions of control. Okay. In like random things in a vacuum of power, like there there have been studies of, like socially um, where you put a group together, right? 
oftentimes you see it's you know the type A white male step into power, and that is you know is a result of their upbringing. And you you're always told that you are built for success. You are built to be in this high yeah. power position. Um, so you know, that's something to con- to consider, and, and we don't necessarily need to talk about it, but it is something that like. I, I personally do feel very comfortable stepping into those times because I've been told that I should. And I've been told that, like, I I deserve – not deserve that, but I, I've been taught that that is a productive thing to do, and it is. But there are certain demographics and genders that haven't and oh, have, yeah. aren't, aren't told by society that that's important for them to do or that they are worthwhile enough to do that. And there's a whole list of factors that come into that. But it's just it's a it's an interesting dynamic as you know, mm-hmm. we're told that it's easy for like it's we're told we have to we're we're told we should, we told what we we wanted to. What do you mean we're told like um just what's in the, the same way that where's it you know, coming from? Um, specifically, obviously, I went to an all boys school, but we were taught how to public speak, taught how to do this True. in the same way that in. And I'm not talking about across all demographics or yeah. every person in a demographic feels this way. It's easy to generalize, obviously, but you're yes. saying, yeah, yeah. But you're seeing typically, a trend, a it's trend. more common that white men feel more comfortable assuming powerful positions because they're more used to it. Hmm. Yeah. I, I, see, I see what you mean, and I, I, I see it like I can just, I'm imagining those circumstances. But something that I don't agree is like, I just did not, I think growing up, and this might have just been. My, me seeing it this way, sure. I never saw that my identity and my my me as a person as a as a white male yeah. should be in these certain positions of power. Now that might have been like an implicitly shown thing. I mean, we yeah, see, like, I wouldn't the say list of presidents we've seen. We see yeah. these like a lot of more well-renowned people kind of fit a specific category. Yeah, but I don't. I think on an individual level. I think, and this is also like family culture for mm-hmm. me, was was, you know, self actualize your sense of self. So find it within yourself yeah. to to find to be the best that you can be and be the most authentic you could be. And obviously, that's there's an influence there that like the the soci- our society has, has played into. But yeah, it's interesting. I guess I never. I it's probably I never thought about it like sure. that. And it's like when we talk, we've talked about this before about like the the idea of having privilege and all this stuff and how it's we and how it's easy to not see it when you're not looking at the greater scope yeah. but something that here go ahead yeah and no and what you what you were saying how like i've never thought of it as like well, as i was you know taking power let's say yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it sounds super aggressive but it's, assuming power let's yeah, say sure. you weren't thinking as a white male i'm taking power exactly. right now it's it's always like oh i feel confident doing this mm-hmm. and you feel confident doing this Maybe not necessarily because, but it's strengthened by people in your life telling you, "Oh, like you have a like this. This could be what you want to do. Sure, you you have the opportunity to do this." In the same way that you know, another demographic might not be strengthened like that. Also, mm-hmm. as like the sub subconscious seeing white people in power, you know, white people are in power. That's what right I'm thinking. It's, I feel like so it's very see, subconscious. Yeah, it's a subconscious thing. It's not like oh, I I know that I am this, therefore I have to be the leader. Yeah, it's yeah. I see a white president. I see these white people in power, mm-hmm. and I go, oh, like maybe I, that that's me. That's, I see myself me. in him, and sure. in, in 
I'm not saying that other people can't feel that way and say, oh, that's me as well, but it's much more difficult to to identify as a white person when you're not a white person and identify to that position. So you feel more like a trailblazer and you feel like you're breaking more walls Mm -hmm. and you're breaking through more. You you see more barriers between you and that power position than you and I would, per se. Yeah. There's something, though, about the identity aspect. We, I think we've addressed this not on the – oh, maybe on the podcast. But, like, the um, this whole thing about how if you have – like, there's the ground base of, of your existence. There's the, sure. the identity aspects of you, where you're from, your family, your your gender, your ethnicity. Your roots. All these, yeah, you, the roots of who you are, which are outside of your control. That's the rough part of all of that. You don't choose to be white or, or any other – or any anything. You don't choose anything. Yeah. You just – that's it. You, you, you wake up one day and you're a human being and then you kind of go with that. And it sucks that it has to have been a, a narrowed view of this of – a, of a certain status that matters to a, to a large extent. And well, what I guess what I'm trying to get at is, is <clears throat> we talked about how the – the breaking of not not like you said breaking barriers as in through like yeah. for example being a a lower class black um, Muslim person that's a that, lot of barriers, that's yeah, a lot of barriers right there yeah. but something like to 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 have those barriers not exist yeah I feel like something that has been and well let's start I'll go back something that we've seen a lot of is the goal of breaking these barriers. It's, it's the fact that we should be able to have any type of diversity. And they should, those things shouldn't be barriers. Exactly. There should never be barriers. Yeah, you shouldn't have to view them as barriers. Exactly. My thing with the current times mm-hmm. is that we see it as a barrier. To, we acknowledge the barrier to a point where we've almost built it more so. We've actually given it a stronghold yeah. because we acknowledge. Like I, No one ever, that I've known at least, has ever gone up to me and say, me as a person of color, it's like no, I've never. I don't care about your position based. I know I care about your position. I don't care about the position based on a, a filtration system that is out of sight of your control. I care about the stuff that you can control, which sure. is your perception of of yourself and your perception of your society. And I think by overemphasizing the these barriers, we 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 make ourselves hyper aware. There's something about like, I feel like the, the, that just makes it more and more obvious. And I think that makes it, it also, it kind of does the whole thing about the, you start digging a hole in yourself because you have to, you say, oh my God, I've just, I've let, let's say now, for example, there's a lot of the, the counter part of it is that there's, um, I can't think of where there's a dis, there's a disliking of white people. And I'm not saying that's everyone, because it's not everyone. I mean, a lot of people don't care what you look like, but you're chilling. And, um, but I think there's still a little distaste in in seeing a white person in power, seeing a white person in these in these certain certain positions, and saying and and then blaming it entirely on on their identity. And that's something that that's the same thing. It's overemphasizing on these barriers. And I th- I, I just don't see for me. 
sure. the barriers being broken like that. You zoom in so much that it's all you can see. It's all mm-hmm. I know now. And I don't see you, for example, as a white hair, white mm-hmm. person, blonde hair, blue eyes. Blonde eye. hair, blue eyes. Yeah, like I don't care. <laughs> Particularly that's what, aggressive demographic. <laughs> yeah, it's just, a, it's just a very directed demographic, but it doesn't, it doesn't define the person that you are. It has an influence. That's not what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that we need to ignore the influence. I'm saying we need to not... It's like, I don't, I, there's the moderation. There is over-acknowledging, there's over-emphasizing, and then there's also the colorblindness. There's, there's the ignore, almost pure ignorance of a person's diversity. And then I think with identity politics, that leans more to the over-emphasis. I don't know what the alternative is called, but there's got to be a balance there where you can acknowledge, but it should not be the defining perspective on someone. I think your merits are more important. I think your personality is more important. Sure. I think these and how those are apply to you are much more important. Yeah, and I think there is something to be said for a self-fulfilling prophecy in terms mm-hmm. of this stuff. Well, like if you see these barriers, like with anything, if you see these barriers and you address them incorrectly, you can put barriers up for yourself. Mm-hmm. I think more the the thing that society is coming to realize and kind of with this is this whole uh, uprising is that a lot of these barriers, sure, are they, they exist, and they're acknowledging the barriers in ways that some people don't. If you see a barrier, you should, someone should know about it. Mm-hmm. Someone should say, and should should help you with it. Mm-hmm. You know, like as especially if you are someone who's not um, empowered by society, someone should know about it. Like let everybody know, and that's what's happening now is people are letting everybody know about the barriers they feel in society. Yeah, and that's not necessarily making up barriers. That's just they're not out and they're now out there maybe that means you see them more and maybe that means you know you're, it's coming from a place of well i thought there were no barriers and now you know now there yeah, are there's some. a blindness to it and there's the over there's that there's the other side too sure and there's an interesting clip and i wish i could pull it up but it will take too long i think um, where that? it's on youtube we learned it um, over over the summer during our anti racism class what I can do. Go ahead. Uh, it's um it's a group that comes together. Um, it's it's a cross section of America. It's supposed to be, um, and there is a white guy who is talking about how I don't see why we can't all just be Americans, right? Why can't we I've just? Seen that. Yeah, 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 yeah. I think yeah. we've. I think I may have either shown He's it to you before, it, yeah. or I've mentioned it before. Where he goes, I don't care why all you guys are all saying like, oh, you're a black American or you're this American. Like that's that's like it's imp- it's not important. It's like, yeah. why can't we all just be Americans? Yeah. And there's something to be said for that if everyone was viewed equally. Yes, yes. And that's a, you know, a, a fantastical, like, ideological way of thinking about side. it. It's not yeah. there. We're not there. No, and not. It, when we recognize that we're not there, that's what ends up happening in the meeting is there, the, you know, there are a couple minorities sitting while, and, you, and they pan with the camera to them and they're kind of sitting there, you know, disking, they're like, I, I don't like what he's saying. That, that, that's not how I feel. Yeah. And then there's a black guy in the meeting who basically says, like, thank you for sharing your opinion. But by saying I am just an American, it, like, it undercuts all of the hardship I've done to be here, who I am as a person. Because mm-hmm. I am a black American and... If I if you don't recognize that there are d- different criteria for me to be successful in society, 
you're perpetuating. No, that, you're, it's ignorance. Yeah, that's that's, that's what the anti-racism is. Yeah, it's yeah. That you're saying, oh, there's no different barriers. They're like, no. You have to acknowledge that that there are different barriers for people of color in society than there are for for other yeah white people in society. He gets very like he's viscerally mad. It's like he was it was emotional, and he him. was still very very. That this is this actually an example of when you can be emotional and still get your point across. Exactly. Is he was like choosing his words. He was still choosing his words very very. Carefully. Carefully. Yeah. Because he knows that if he loses control of the argument... There's nothing going to be done. He just... He gets lumped in. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So it, it was it was very interesting because he was saying, look, if if you just say, I'm, I'm just an American or I'm an American, we're all Americans, that's fantastic if I felt that I was your equal and you guys treated me in reality as an equal. Whereas I, I can walk into a store and be looked at, you know, funny in the, you know, in the South or wherever and say, I know he is looking at me differently and giving me a different... Chance mm-hmm. than if I were white walking in. Yeah. So it was he, he was just extremely frustrated. Yeah. He was like, "Look, I need you to understand that there is something to be said for being American, but also but also black, black. or a person of color. What or I guess that falls in. Which is the anti race you know. That's the yeah. being simply being not racist is not acceptable not anymore. Acceptable. Which is like yeah. that's that's the whole thing There's about being anti racist. Yeah. yeah. I think. The thing is about anti-racism, well, like, just a little bit about that, because I don't want to get too much into the whole idea of anti-racism, because I don't know it enough, sure. like, I'm not well-rounded in the knowledge yeah, we, of we it read enough. A book yeah, so it's not, it's not entirely on my uh, expertise, but one thing I've learned is that anti-racism, two things I learned about anti-racism, the work is never done, sure. that's one. Yep. Second part is, it's, um... <clears throat> It's a commitment that feels like it's it's a swinging to the overemphasis part, and there is a there is a perspective that is only look for the how racism manifested. Don't look for how racism like there's liberalism and there's like something I've seen is a differentiation between liberalism and anti-racism. Anti-racism looks at you through your identity through these these um these unchangeable facts about you. Liberalism tries to not dissociate, but but value the the individual as they are, yeah. and that's that's where I'm like I'm at a contention with it. But I'm also I think it's a, like you were you said one time when we talked. There's like it's a byproduct of its environment because for years, I mean, the civil rights movement was not that long ago. It's but in in, a, in our lifetime, it's a long time ago. But like in the grand scheme of society, it has not done that yeah. much of a job in in changing attitudes. Exactly, and then just a quick data point is like after after um the civil rights movement there was you know the voting acts and all that we didn't know that you remember well nixon mm-hmm. ended up expanding the voting rights acts and act and everyone thought that was fantastic right mm-hmm. they were like this is a great idea like why not expand this and like help everyone get get votes yeah. right and part of the oppression that we you know goes unnoticed in a lot of things is that Nixon expanded the Voting Rights Act knowing that if he expanded it to every state, we they wouldn't have enough people to enforce it. So he goes, oh, let's just expand it to every state so we're spread so thin we can't enforce it. Oh, oh so they're saying that... So they're... he's saying like, okay, oh, we, we focus on like these, these the southern states, I believe, yeah, yeah. and these the certain area where we know it's an issue. Yeah. Right? And he just goes, okay, let's do it with all the states. Why, why are we not just doing it with the, all yeah. the states? And it looks so positive, but then in practice, it fucks over like 
the, everyone else that yeah, like that it wants to be in the fold and at the end of the day that specific group because all of a sudden things slip through the exactly uh, yeah that's a net that is the holes expand. are too big yeah exactly yeah. it's a great metaphor pulled too big um i had a i had another point i wanted to acknowledge well there's like going back to this like the solution that is found in anti-racism or not found in anti-racism but like the what anti-racist as an overarching term not as not as what is defined in today yeah just as like not being for it i guess if we were to only have a dichotomy and it would just be you're racist or an anti-racist i'd say most people are anti-racist and i think the definition the definition now has changed a lot i think think most people are not racist i think most people are not but i think in the long grand scheme of things if they were to be able to drop everything and pick one side or the other. They, they would, would rather pick to the anti-racism side. Yeah. That's also not really how it happens. It usually happens over a building of a system. A oh, thing. that's what it was. So there's there's like the idea of like systemic oppression and and also sure. and like how it is purely because of the system that there is there are this still racial discrepancies in uh, the United States. And I think that's def- there's truth in that, 100%. But I don't think it's the entire... That doesn't cover the entire scheme of, of what is racism and what is um, discrepancies. And and not even racism, because it's not just about... There's, there's, there's gender things. There's also um, now with, with transgender issues. There's also um, looking at ethnicity and religious things as well. So there's, there's not... It's not purely about... Um, one one group, but the effects are gr- like for example the argument like the, the 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 idea you just said about about um, the black person going into a store in like Alabama and being looked at differently and given sure. a different chance. I don't think the government and a system. I think a systematic application, yes, but I think the system itself, which is the government mm-hmm. and, our, and our yeah, uh, will it. I don't think that is how you make change. In that not certain circumstance, yeah. it's, it's I think, and that's something that like we were talking about earlier is how like I happen over years. It, it would be a, it's a it's over years, it's over time, and it's over a cultural shift and a paradigm shift between, um, for example, your status, the value of status, the value of power. I think will will change, and it will be I think a humanistic viewpoint. Which then goes back to my point about the overemphasis of, of these barriers. I think there's going to be a point where we acknowledge the barriers, and then we can just get and the barriers will just get pushed down and like as as if each thing is a fence. You'll just be able to the ground will come up and the fence will stay where it was, so you can actually get over that fence more and more easily to a point where it may not exist. I don't know how long that'll take, but I know it's not going to take in a year. It's not going to be in a couple months either. I would say that uh, what. That with in terms of that metaphor, I think the short term uh, solution is building that ground up on the that side of the fence, building the ground up so the fence is shorter and shorter and yeah. shorter and shorter. Yeah. That's the short term like situation. I think the long term would be filing the fence down, yes, and lowering yeah. the fence itself so you don't have to raise the ground. You don't have to raise the. That's for sure. I think. I think, and that's like something about if we're gonna stay with this this metaphor is is the idea of um, I've seen I've seen like. Certain um, uh, uh, there's movement, not movements, but there's there's things being done. I guess is what how I can it most generally explain it. Um, for example, I saw something about like a New York City Metro card thing, 
mm. a fund, and it was only for queer and transgender people. Okay. And then, uh, yeah, it was it was they get priority, and then everyone else can after, and something like that, where it, it, the concept is trying to live lift yeah. up the ground. Yeah. But in the end, it's it's you're you've just flipped, and you're just showing the other side of the coin now. That is. You're just giving people priority. You're doing the same stuff that people used to do. You're just doing it a different way and you're applying a different identity. No one cared about uh, in the 60s and before. No one cared about uh, transgender people because it wasn't really a thing. As I mean, there existed, yes, but it wasn't an imposing factor. There wasn't as much of a population and there wasn't as much of a social input that they could give. And I would argue because of that, people got away with more oppression of them yes absolutely absolutely but that being said turning it around and saying all right we get priority now all you white cis male or or female people you go after us it's like what is what is being gained i don't see much i don't see much being gained there at that point so i i I don't know how to yeah yeah, yeah. obviously neither of us know how to address that certainly the idea of you know prioritization of another person over another uh, you know it makes us uncomfortable, but mm-hmm. I, I and I don't know if it's right or wrong. Again, I that this is the tough because I, I I really don't know. Yeah, but I guess if you're um, just gonna give a personal take, because I, I, I don't is, know. I, it's, it's hard. The thing is, it's hard. It's because it's loaded. Yeah, this is a very interesting discussion because it's it, I, we're trying to look at it as most objectively possible to be still create a universal good. Yeah. Igno- while acknowledging that there are a lot of trade-offs. Yeah, and, and I, I think that's that, that whole like shifting the balance. I think that that giving priority to a different demographic than has been traditionally been given priority is I, I'm not against that. I would say I I, I think it is maybe not the right way to go about it. It's like an idea of catching up is kind of what yes. it seems like. Yes, and it, it it seems like that's the case, and I think that. There are certainly other ways to go about that because I think specifically in that instance that we're talking about this freaking metro card, like yeah, it's something of all things. Yeah, just make like just you're literally look the, what the metro card thing is is you're looking at a name and going yes or no. No, that's it. And it's it's not like oh, like m- maybe just remove a box for like the gender of the person, exactly. and then it's completely random. Yeah, and it's that's something that can so easily be made objective. That that's not a, a place where necessarily you need to be um, uh, promoting, uplifting, uplifting the demographic. As an example of something that I think does need to be uplifted is the whole situation with you know bank loans and how a black family oh, yeah. going in to like rent a house, mm-hmm. they have a traditionally worse credit score and are less likely to get loans up until maybe this year, maybe still through this year, but like up until recent times when they've banks have come up with funds that are specifically for black families or um, non-white, you know, demographic families to start f- homes that white people do not have access to. Mm-hmm. I'm okay with that. I so? am okay with that because that is something that's been traditionally like, yeah, that's the case. And like when you do a credit check, you're checking everything about that. That's true. There's a lot that goes into that. And like that credit score development, like a, a, again, a black family is – the average black family has less income than the white, average white family. Okay. So they are more likely to have missed a couple credit card payments, more likely to not have that strong credit score 
that they're that they can that the white family has kept up over mm-hmm. time, right? Yeah. So they likely have a lower credit score and therefore less likely to get a loan by the numbers. Just on the numerical, yeah. yeah. And that's why there's a problem with the whole like facts don't care about your feelings. See, that's where that's where the ground could be elevated yes. because you're giving them. And that's an, an example of the ground exactly, being elevated. Exactly, exactly. And I think that's fair. And I think the end game there, for example, would be eventually there is no need for the elevation of ground, and exactly. you filed. You've you've already they started. More easily filing. get a home. Exactly. And all of a sudden, they exactly. you know. The family has less payments to make, perhaps, mm-hmm. or they have more leeway on their credit structure, and th- they build up. All of a sudden, you know they they're able to save up more money. They're able to you know create create a life that they want. There's to a live. lot more opportunity there, and maybe the next generation doesn't have that bad. Credit yeah, score. well, it's the it's like or worse. Credit there's score. also the the idea of like upward mobility. Um, you reminded me of um the book I made. Hillbilly told Elegy, you told me about Hillbilly Elegy. Yeah. yeah, how they so that's uh. A memoir about <clears throat> a uh, a guy who grew up in Middletown, Ohio, but his fa- he's really feels like he's from Jackson, Kentucky, and because um, that's where his family's from. But that's all along Appalachia, and he talks about his experience of, of going, you know, living in in uh, a, a working class family. His his mom had six different boyfriends, married and married someone who she met of like a day before. Stuff like that. Fantastic stuff. It's just, it's just. There's no. That's a family life thing, though. Yeah. And then there's also the the whole, like, there's there's percentages of of, of kids who wouldn't even graduate high school, kids who wouldn't make it to college, kids who yeah. wouldn't be, who didn't even have opportunities to go out of state of college. Barriers. And there's all these barriers, but that's interesting because in that book and in the movie also you see that it's not about the identity. It's about it's about something even greater that is basically where the I mean it is about the identity in a sense but it's it's a little more convoluted because like the Scots Irish whole thing but I mean they have southern accents and there's they just have kind of a, a, a general like uh uh morality I guess is the word or a moral code that is the driving force of why these people are kind of in their scenario and it is that like they're very loyal to family so Whenever anything happens, like a, a funeral, they drive back there to the to wherever it is, and they'll they'll have a funeral, and they, they make sure that they're with a the family. They'll have family coming in and out of the house. There's a lot of that. There's also um, more. Of, I guess like conservative in the way that is that is they hold their ground a lot more. Sure. So there's not a lot of room for change, and an outsider, they're not very friendly to outsiders. There's stuff like that, and so that doesn't give them a lot of opportunity to evolve, and that's something that. <clears throat> through like it's it's a deep it's almost deeper in than than the identity things because it is something that <clears throat> um going back to like well not actually just sticking with this is that um the their that pro their problems are not just uh based around either the fact that they're white the no. fact that they're um you know working class i think it comes from a lot more. There's, I mean, it does yeah, play in, easily. but it is an incredibly convoluted situation. It's the culture say, associated with their it's, and and then there's also the, just down to like the familial things, and then the relationship with government and how they. I was telling you how the the, the working class, like the Appalachia, had a huge influence in, in a lot of have a huge influence in a lot of um uh, presidential races because for, for the longest time. The Democrats were the working class party, and then about in the 60s, 70s, it switched over, and that that influenced a lot. 
And so that that um, seeing that uh, the Democrats still flaw- say that the they working say they class are, party, not really. And I mean, extent. yeah, if you see in practice, it's it's so so on what what they help. But a lot of a lot of that working class family were scared off when. Um, Democrats started to adopt slightly more liberal policies, mm-hmm. and Republicans started to call them socialists and communists. Yeah, which, it was the whole name calling thing. It wasn't. They just started the c word in politics. Mm-hmm. Really, not fantastic. No, wait, which one? Conservative? Yeah, no, yeah. no, no. Um, communism. Oh, communism. Yeah, that's. A, it's why it's why Bernie Sanders will yeah. never be president. It's that, that he's, he's always going to be called a communist, and middle ground voters are. Dude, I actually listened to him on Joe Rogan's podcast. He's a very reasonable person. He, he's apparently. According to people, you know, in his circle, in his or? circle. Well, he, you know, he fi- during his election, he fired his entire PR team because really? he didn't like what they were saying. He's they apparently like, well, so he's been in con- in Congress for forever, right? Yeah. He's I, I don't know. I'm gonna throw out 50 years. Probably that's probably not what it is. It's probably given you can come and go in like 30. Let's say let's say it's 30 it's, years. We'll say let's say 30 years. He's been in Congress for 30 years. He's done nothing bipartisan. Like, he certainly signed off on stuff that, you know, certainly, but he's never worked to make a bill happen. He's a very, very impossible person to work with. Interesting. So he's he's one of those people who, you know. He also stands his ground a he lot. He stands his ground. And we, we've, this is, this is the, the two-way street of some things. It's, he's, we were talking about this happy medium. Yeah. You know, I believe he knows that there's a happy medium. Mm-hmm. He just realizes that, look, like I am the farthest left that people see. So if I start moving, it's like the it's the shoot for the stars, aim for the or uh, shoot, shoot for, for the stars, aim for, or aim for the stars, hit the moon, land on the moon, yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah, shoot yeah. for the stars, land on the moon. He goes, I'm the stars. If all of a sudden the stars are closer to the moon, maybe we don't land on the moon. Yeah, yeah, it gets too easy to to kind of fall short. Yeah, but apparently he's like a in person in a conversation where he's on a public stage he does seem very reasonable i think he has several incredible ideas like he's mm-hmm. me being more liberal obviously i identify more more with him um For than sure. probably others do who are less liberal but um he's a notoriously difficult person to work with Interesting. because of what we were talking about is he, he has an inability to find a middle ground and come to an agreement that isn't you know, yeah, fully aligned with what he thinks, which yeah. is some, there's something to be said for I think standing that, your ground. Exactly, but. I think there's something to be said about a lack of fluidity, like yeah. not lack. I, yeah, I would say lack of fluidity because there's people who just bend to an, a higher a higher calling, but when they hold their ground too much, there's a bit of that. And so you, you see all these. There's a happy medium on happy mediums. It's, <laughs> it's crazy. crazy. It's crazy. <laughs> it's an incredibly convoluted situation, but it's something that like influences people. In such a way that is, again, like going back to this whole systematic um, or systemic forms of oppression and systemic forms of, of, um, of being. I mean, there is an influence there that the government has on, on our day-to-day lives. And that's kind of the same thing with like looking at how, how uh, Bernie Sanders looks at his positioning and that he's – if he stays – if he doesn't – if he allows himself to shift back to the middle, yeah. he feels that there's going to be a loss of, of, of the left. And that's something that is fair. Go for it. I mean, that's he does represent like currently he is the most left person. The le- exactly. And I think that majority as you know have voted a majority of America is more left than is represented in the government. 
That's probably true too. So that's why he's yes. holding that standard and pushing exactly. left. Exactly. He wants to keep. He, he kind of is like the pen that keeps the rest of the left without the the rubber band exactly. extended. Yes. And um, but my thing with like going back to these these identity issues and um, issues of of well, social issues that are being implemented via kind of non-socialish non-social or i guess non-social solutions so we're looking at um for example these like your idea of the bank loans yeah thing. that's something that is not social but is is purely that is a financial thing that can be addressed financially yeah now looking at attitudes going back to this idea of like the sociological influence that a the person's skin color or or attire has on personal on the person interaction. interactions yes okay that to me, is what conversations like this mm-hmm. will do hundred yards more than a a little government, uh, you know, a bill or a treaty or something, something that that establishes like, oh, you have to do. It's like there's no. I think maybe maybe, and we were talking about this like the incentivizing. I think giving an incentive to do that is good, but I think I feel like the the quantitative incentivization of a social thing, which is incredibly nuanced and purely qualitative uh, thing, you can't quantify, I can't quantify how good of friends we are. Mm-hmm. I can qualitatively tell you that we're pretty good friends. Yeah. And that's and that's kind of, that's, that's fine. We should, I think, and that's why I think that the- um, It's a soft science. It is, in a sense, it's a soft science because, and I mean, that's like what sociology is considered. It's a soft science mm-hmm. is because it's, it's incredibly nuanced and it's, and it's not, there's no, I mean, there are numbers that help, but there are no, numbers do not, aren't the defining factor of something. When someone actually greets you, says, hello, how are you today? That is what matters. Those little interactions matter. Yeah. And I think that finding the two things I don't, I don't like. And this is I don't this is not like a you or anything. This is just general. I don't like the blaming. I don't like that there is there is a oversimplification of a problem, oversimplification of a solution too. There is just typically it's it's ideally that, and it's it's easy to do that. It is so easy to look at one incredibly nuanced problem and give a simplified solution about yeah. it, yeah. and then say this is it, and then you're and then without acknowledging the trade-offs, without acknowledging that there's consequences to those actions. But I. And I totally think it's worth the the investment of time, energy, and and effort, again, and all these things, to to consider the hundreds of variables and realize that it's not one barrier stopping you. That's the interesting thing about we were talking about those barriers. I don't think it's one fence. I think it's a series of fences that are aligned in certain ways that don't actually look like a fence, don't look like a wall. They just are what tripwire. It's it's like a tripwire because it's there. You could, anyone could spring something that do derails. Exactly. There are more trip, they're, they're trip wires for us. Exactly. But there are more trip wires on the path for others. For others, for sure. And I think finding, I think, like going to that overemphasis versus pure blindness, I think emphasis is incredibly important because you find those trip wires. You find where the, the faults are. Yeah. And, I, and then I think what, what you can do is you can come from the opposite side and say, all right, all right, all right, all right. You have trip wires, I have trip wires, but our trip wires are different yeah. because you have you have certain uncontrollable variables that seem to influence your future. 
Let's some are, find some are those. Controllable, though. And some of them are controllable. But yeah. I'm saying, I'm saying on on like your ba- when you're born, yeah. those th- yeah. those those series of things. You, I think you what you should be doing, and I'm not saying you, Carter. Yeah. I'm saying generally you. One should. One should. What one should be really l- l- focusing on is not just the trip wires. But how to get away from those tripwires? How to how to just not look for the tripwires as if they were a fence, but look at them as just tripwires. Something you can step over. Something you can step over, and something that you can you can actually almost make go away. You can cut the tripwire because you can find that there is a there is something there that is greater than the tripwire itself. And so, for example, I just keep thinking of of um, a in. Uh, trying to get a job, yep. you know, you look at the, you have someone with the exact same credentials. Yep. Now, the only differentiation right now is that one is black and one is white. Apparently, it's changing, but some some people are saying that, no, it's not. It's changed, I think, now because it's, I don't have the, I'm not going to stand by this statement, but it's, it's like, it's better to be black than white right now if you're trying to get a job. In that your, makes sense. To a lot of things. And that is, that is, what, that is realistically what's happening. That's, to me, feels backwards to what it should be. It should never even have to do. It shouldn't come down that's, to race. It should never have to come down to identity. But yeah, race. It's a, a one aspect of your identity that doesn't even. It 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 shouldn't need to be the manifestation of who you are. Because if you're good at what you do, you're just good at what you do. Sure. If you suck at what you do, you still suck. It doesn't matter what color you look like. I would also. All you are. I would you know pose this that let's say you're at like a banking firm or a financial institution where it's typically white let's say it's a majority white firm you got the application process you tell every applicant don't put your race right so it's not in the picture there's this idea that you know you're friends with people who have similar like practices as you similar beliefs and do the same things and kind of and and to for the most part that's true then there are, there are certain people who you are friends with who are completely different spectrum of things but that is usually through virtue of close contact or something mm-hmm. like that so as the applicant you choose the applicant right as you're looking at the applicant pool who's to say that subconsciously you're not going oh that's something i like that's something i like that's something i like right maybe they have a written portion they write a certain way and as a white person you you're going to trend towards white people perhaps so but there's, but you're saying they didn't, you, they didn't tell you. They that didn't. They were t- yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so like, in, so let's say, let's say they're two different documents, okay, like yeah, you said yeah. before. Say there's no race involved, but a white person wrote one, sure. and a black person wrote the other. A white person is the director of choosing. Okay. As a white person, subconsciously, maybe you trend towards the way the white kid talks, and you go, okay, like, I like how he writes. I like how he's doing it, but I'm I'm being neutral because I didn't put race in, into the picture. Yeah, but that at that point, it's there is a there's there's a always going to be some sort, of, some sort of subjective portion. There's, there's a always subjectivity. Be some sort of, yeah, I think I think there's a there's if that's a the worst flaw, part of our issues. There are there are worse things. There to are be worse things, about. but that is something that also yeah, it needs to be. It can be addressed because it's something that is easy to change. And that is, for example, the education level of the the person of color. Mm-hmm. That person, if you give them the same exact route. And then you still you don't even know what identity they had, and then you still ended up turning to the white guy. Yeah. I think there's at some point maybe the white guy earned it, and that's not a fault of the person of color. Sure. That's I, I, I just think there's there's still a possibility 
for white people to succeed without it being at the deterrence, expense. at the expense yeah. of another person of color succeeding. And that's the tricky balance. Is yeah. That, you know, you have to make sure that it's not at the expense of someone mm-hmm. else or mm-hmm. something like that. But it's another interesting thing, just like, as you think about it, robots are supposed to be the most objective things in the world, right? You know, they're supposed to be um, perfect. But in many ways, robots have... They're the most idealized version they're of the most, are. Yeah, the most idealized version. And who... The programmer, the people who run the program, put a lot of themselves into the program. And it's actually really interesting. I don't remember what class I took or what I was reading, but robots actually have come out and in practice are oftentimes more racist than the people who would be choosing arbitrarily. Really? Yeah, because the programmer may not be a racist individual. No, but, but they he have, has, there's tendencies, there's an implicit... And they, when they run, the, when they yeah, run the, sure. the application process, they look for certain things and go, oh, specifically pay attention to this. Specifically pay yeah, attention see, to there's, that. There's things that... There's something I was reading. You program reading. racism. Yeah, well... They, and that shows how pervasive it is. That's... Well, so this is interesting, like... I don't see it as racism because I think, first off, the definition of racism is not what it used to be, and so it's kind of hard to say, like... Your definition of racism. I'm using racism there as a softer. Exactly. There's, there's a, there. It has the threshold of racism has dropped. I think. To, yeah. Personally, I think there is. Yes. There still exists the old form of racism, but paying modern attention to what racism, really is. modern the racism, microaggressions and such. Yeah, and I, I think, um, the threshold being lowered. There's a certain point where you're like, oh, you're just looking for it. But with this robotics and uh, AI thing, is interesting is that those methods of standardization of uh, grades, of um, writing style, of speech style, of uh, vocabulary, of... Created by white males. Created by... Well, yeah, yeah. But the point <laughs> is, is I think at this point, there are... There should be... Like, what is... I guess there's, like, portions of this. There is... What is wrong with that system that doesn't... Like, I think anyone can do it, is what I'm saying. Anyone can play the game. You cut off all the barriers, you can play the game of life equally. You cut off all the barriers of existence. There will always be barriers. There will always be barriers. Everyone is different. But you take away, let's say there were no such barriers and you were to have the exact, you were given the exact same choices as a different, as a person of color, they're not going to make the same choices as you. But the, but the, they're, and they could end up having totally different paths and end up being in totally different sections of life. That's fine. That's the cool thing about us. Yeah. We're variable people. But going back to this whole, the robotic programming, it's based on systems and, and thought that, is, that was implemented over, over uh, many years that were most imposed by white males. But I don't think that... It's the system again. I don't think it's the system's fault. I think it was the implementation of that system. And because it was so built around an equal image that, or not equal, but a, a, uh, a one dimensional image of a person, which was, you gotta have this, like, they're not one dimensional. I want to say, I want to say you have an idealized version of a person, which is, 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 as it has been, or it used to be, was, was just a white part, a white male or a white female, um, that now I think what what we've seen is that people can still succeed within that system def- and break those barriers or yeah. get over those barriers. So what I think is 
now for me, it's the first off, it's that sociocultural implementation of it. That's the attitudes on the on the most basic level. The store owner at the at, at your local uh, grocery store stops looking at you, treats you like a like anyone else does. Yeah. That's great. That that's kind of a on on the bottom part. Awesome. And then on the top level, it's it's the implementation of government. And I think. There, there's something needed to be said about just not needing to care about them. First, helping. First, it's, it's get them up with, with everyone else or get them up with what is the standard of living. And then once it's there, you, you, you erase it. It does not matter anymore because then those barriers, now everyone has the same barriers. Now that's, I think, something that is really, really hard to do. But I think it's way more worth it than constantly... Constantly digging yourself back into the same same hole of well, I got it's 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 looking for things to blame. If you get too caught up on what could go wrong and what is in your way, mm-hmm. you're never gonna go anywhere. Exactly, which is true. So again, there's like there's there's a back and forth. There's a happy medium. There's you know yeah. There's that something to be said on both sides. Yes. No. That's but, that's the thing. Yeah. yeah. There's. Yeah, I think what you're saying is true. I think if you pay too much attention to those barriers, they're, they're all they anywhere. are. They're all they are at some but point. I think there's an acknowledgement needed. I think there's an acknowledgement. Yeah, what I, I think in an ideal is, world you acknowledge yeah. and power through. But more power is needed for some others, and I think it should be. Mm-hmm. They should get a boost yeah. that people yeah. who inherently have received it but didn't know they had it yeah. are getting. Exactly. I think that's exactly. a fair thing, but I don't think that the way the implementation of it is just so painful cuz i'm like i don't want to know i don't know i want to know cuz it's cool knowing things is pretty cool as mm. far as as far as life goes knowing more helps but i think knowing to an excessive extent <clears throat> that you are this person of color or you are this you are this uh you know this gender or this um from or this religion mm. i think it's cool to know and I think there's always going to be a subjective experience to that to that information, and that's not that's something that we should not take away because that's what human variability is, and that's that whole that's where I kind of don't enjoy the modern uh, definition of racism because at some point there is just there is something tribalism has ingrained in our genetics that is is will only be changed through evolution, and that's something that yeah. you can't force on someone you got to give the time for it and i think it's it's again i'm not saying this is easy and i think but it's again more worthwhile the, the people who make the easy assumptions who jump to the easy conclusions who make the easy labels aren't really the ones making the change it's those people who work within the difficulty of labels and and categorization of someone who find the best route and find the most productive perspective that <clears throat> creates a, a community that is that is welcoming but still asking of you to be a person and yeah. and so there's a universality there that is hard to find and I, I think I'm not the one to find those answers but that's where I'm like I'm if if you were to ask me I probably am an anti-racist I just don't think that I'm not on par with the methodology because it doesn't let me still be the person I want to be okay and it's like I think I've heard a lot of the counter arguments saying, well, 
they can't be because of that. So why should you? And it's like, no, no, no. That's not how I'm thinking well, I'm, of it. I don't I think, think that means you have to stop being yeah. who you are. I, I think that you can be everything that you're doing now and. That's see. That's how I see it should be. I don't have to take it my. I don't have to. Detra- I don't have to detract from myself. Mm-hmm. There, no one's asking you to say, "Oh, I'm gonna not pursue this opportunity. I'm not gonna use this privilege." So that someone else can. So that it's someone like, else. Well, it, yeah. If you get it, you get it. And yeah. if you work hard enough, and you work hard enough in this society, you get it. But at the same time, it's it's. We're not ask, asking you to say no to things. Mm-hmm. People are just asking you to say yes. And and. Yeah, it's a yes and. It's, it's a yes. Do, do the extra thing that is yeah. having a little more conversation, having a and little go more a long way. Yeah, it's, and it is, yeah it's, it's it's like a thirty-seven thousand-sided multi or uh, <laughs> Rubik's cube, yeah. so you can see so much more to it, and it makes it harder, but it's so much more worth it. I yeah. mean, we're fucking humans for God's sake. Sure. We're so smart, and the fact that we're simplifying an existence based on a couple set of variables yeah. is painful because i want to know more about you i want to know about what your interests are i want to yeah. know about what you think is funny what you think is sad what you sure. think is interesting what you think is not interesting what team you like what team you don't like of course I want to, and it can be more simple it can be and more on, a, on a one-to-one like interpersonal basis easily can be more simple mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and i don't think there's anything i think you can be both you can do both mm-hmm. things mm-hmm. and there's there's a quote or not a quote there's an idea that i wrote down i mentioned when we were talking like a little bit earlier um that there's this idea of when we discuss race and people say, oh, it's not going anywhere because you're always going to see someone as other than you, right? If you see a black person, that's not me. I don't look like that. True. There's um, there's this idea that everyone wants to be better than someone. If you okay. th- like, you know what I mean? Like, Seeing you're yourself. never going to see yourself as fully equal to everyone in your life. Sure. Like, you're always going to say. I am better or worse, or like there's there's someone I'm better than. You always want to feel. No one wants to feel like they're the lowest person on the food chain. For sure, no one does. Um, And there's some there's there there's this guy I don't agree with, but there's something that uh, he talked about friendship, Mm -hmm. and he was like, he believes that when two people are friends, it's destructive for them to feel that they're equals. Yeah, because there's a nuance. Because there. there's a nuance there, and you're always competing, and oftentimes that relationship breaks. I don't. I think there's there's like, sure that that could be the case. There's some truth but, in that. But in sure. between certain types of people, that that can that is true. Yeah. But between people who don't really care about that, that's fine. But what he's saying, he said like, there is always an inherent power dynamic and dynamic in any friendship, where one person is perceived as better than the other, which. If which he said also is very interesting, if both people think they're better than each other, that can work that way. Yeah. But you know that, and then but then he also goes on to say, that's only for a certain type of like competitive, aggressive type of person. Yeah, there's there's a. It's not true across trait. the board. Yeah. But I, I'd say. But that a... concept applies to the racism thing, where you're just so. where you're just going like, okay, if you're a, like, um, it's part of the reason. Why it's so painful to be a poor white person, I think, mm-hmm. is because you're at the bottom of the, like you're at the bottom of the food chain, and it's that's why I think that's not to, so painful to be a poor white person. I think it is it's why difficult. you see a it's more common it's more common for a poor white person to embrace more racist ideals. Yeah. Yeah, that's for because sure. Because they well, want this is that thing. Be, yeah. Mobility too. Like yeah. they talk about. There is a, there is a lot of like 
confusing but existing racism yeah. there because they know it's not it's different like lots of what racism used to be was based on the idea of white people being superior superior yeah, yeah. now it's i know i'm less than you so i'm just gonna hate put you because it's easy i'm gonna put you down because I, I i am down so i'm gonna do the same thing and there's so much that like it just says don't do that there's so much destructiveness to that and it's yeah. it's but that's something again like it's I don't security. I don't think yeah, it is insecurity, but I don't think that anti-racism training is what's going to get them through that. I think it's I think it's seeing yeah. I think it's something more Human, that is humanization I think is, is what it is. Well, I I've, I've like thought about this a lot. It was like the holistic humanistic view of humanity. There's a lot of istics at me there. I know. Well, humanistic. <laughs> Let's just stick with humanistic. It's the humanistic perspective of society gives so much room for for growth that if you were to look at like because everything is always going to be looked at through the self that is that is how i see you through me i see my the relationship between us through myself that's why racism is uh inversely correlated to education so when you're more educated educated, you're less racist racist. yeah yeah yeah, exactly and i think because you understand this you have what you're talking about exactly there's a there's an understanding that there is there is a self, but you can you can kind of separate that and see the greater picture. You have this humanistic view, and that's something about very positive. About yeah, it's very positive, and I think it's very helpful. I don't want to again. I, I think that's a that's probably one of the more ones one of the more concepts that I can be like, man, you could lack the moderation there. Yeah, but I still think there has to be some moderation where you just go. You don't want to be a people pleaser. You don't want to just make everyone happy. You want to make everyone improve, which Fine is the line. middle ground. It's a direct thing. It says, I don't care what you look Say like. What you mean. Tell me yeah. how hard you want to work. Tell me what you want to get out of life. And then I want to I want to help you achieve that while making you know that someone else might take your spot. So there's there's and obviously this is like that's a form of explaining it to someone because there's people who take that very differently and aren't very competitive people and that's not their fault. But I think that that mindset is more productive and then actually allows for the systemic influence to be, to be d- diminished and then to a point where it actually becomes equal to the systemic influence. And then, and then there's a, there's an idea of, of wanting the greater good because it's actually helpful and because it also helps me rather than saying, well, if everyone gets happy, then I get screwed. It's, it's, it's that reframing that allows, that allows for a, a more universal, you know, community perspective, um, rather than, rather than this, this like overly individualized, um, view of each person. Yeah. No, I, I, uh, yeah, that's, <laughs> I think that's yeah. kind of all I've got to say on that stuff. I mean, yeah. it's uh, yeah, we just jumped crazy. into that deep. <laughs> yeah, we jumped into that deep. That's a crazy. Uh, yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Huh? Mm-hmm. What's it called? Uh, something that I originally wrote down as well um, was kind of an intersection between that, like, um, acknowledge like someone who can uh, not only represent their ideas but also accept why they're why they're bad. Yeah, um, that, that kind of that whole that, that on the vibe of like you know the poor white person. Yeah, um, I, I had it written down from earlier, so it's a funny coincidence. But Eminem and Eight Mile, 
You remember? Okay. You, you know, seen that I haven't movie, actually right? seen the movie. It's, actually, it's a good, decent movie. I think it might be on Netflix. I'm not sure exactly. I'm um, watch it some but in the, in the you've seen the final rap scene where he. I've known about. Yeah, it. Yeah, 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 the yeah. final rap scene, and he starts that like starts that you know the uh, battle rap by like saying like these are all the things that I like are screwed up about me. This is why I'm. This is why I suck. Mm-hmm. It's all out there on the table. Yeah, and he like wraps it together so it sounds sick. So obviously yeah. the crowds get into it, and then he spins it and starts like shitting on the other guy. Yeah. Um, and it's in, that's how he won the crowd over. And then you know they're all like, "Oh, this guy like he can accept." It's it's a point where because he gets beat up at one point in the movie okay. by this guy, and he turns and he goes like, "Yeah, I got beat up by six of you guys. Yeah. Like it took six of you or whatever." Yeah. And says some other stuff, and he goes, "Yeah, I'm poor. Yeah, I live in a trailer with my mom." <laughs> like he like he accepts what's bad about himself, yeah. and then that strengthens his argument on the way forward. Yes, and that's you know. Some, that was what we were talking about before. It's how you, how you can accept and build. It's what strengthens the argument exactly. is acknowledging that there are flaws, but saying these flaws are not as important as what I'm at the end Striving trying to get for. to. Right. Mm-hmm. And I felt that that was... Yeah, know. well, like the kind of the lesson one of a debate is like know your opponent better than you know yourself. Yep. And, and that is exactly where like it's kind of the same thing. This is kind of different in that with Eminem... He looked at it as, let me address everything wrong with me yeah. and tell you I don't give a fuck. Exactly. And then exactly. he says, all right, now I have everything. Now that you know, I have the cards are on the table. What are you going to say about what me now? What do you have? <laughs> yes, what do you have that isn't worse than what I have on myself? Yeah. And once you do that, you you can't lose you because you're... you're your ego doesn't even exist in this scenario because you've set, you've established that there is no... You're going to do everything you can to improve or whatever, I guess in this scenario, win. Yeah. But in most cases, it is to, to, to be able to change or to change the person across yeah, from you. Yeah, yeah. And when you do that, that's so much better than saying than, than digging the hole. You took the ladder. You actually built a bridge between the fence now because you know that you can switch between both sides and see yourself and see your views and their views yeah, from yeah. both sides. And that's, it's hard, valuable. it's not easy, yeah. but it's very valuable. And actually I wanted to shift the discussion a little bit more to like personal interactions. Yeah. And um, something I, I, I kind of told you about before about how there was um, one of my friends going through kind of a tough time, but um, we discussed the opportunity to reframe certain variables that make you aware of the sense of self as if as if your sense of self is an equation yeah and there are all these variables that have certain value that you only create you create the value for that for example family uh the view of your family towards you and then the individuals within that and then the view of your your friends and and uh your friends from school your friends outside of school your athletic friends and then you have your uh, your partner or partners or partner, um, and and more more emotional relationships and, and how you rate all those and, and how well, and how yeah how you val how you value each um relate each the weight relation- of each, var- yes, each variable in the equation exactly exactly and I think um, something that I guess what we can talk about is meditation <laughs> yeah and mindfulness has been able to do is give the attention. Like think of attention as a spotlight yeah. on a field, on a landscape. You, most of the time, we 
when we value a greater uh, variable in this life equation, that spotlight tends to kind of magnetize towards that that set of variables. And one hundred percent, that's actually a great metaphor. And you can you can kind of uh, over focus on those, and then you 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 kind of narrow your sense of self on to end up being almost just the entire variable itself. And that's actually something I'd say to that is, you know, obviously I haven't really played lacrosse in about you know I'm around a year now. Yeah. And I never really, you know thought about how big a variable it was in my life mm-hmm. and how like it always you know I always played the cross and I always was like happy to go out there and play and it was a really strong um, strong variable in that self fulfillment self you know, image equation yeah and as soon as I stopped playing I was like all right like I'm not playing for I've always I've been able to have time off before but like now I'm not gonna play for I probably won't be playing for another year and a half mm-hmm. maybe maybe sooner than that we hope sooner than that hopefully but um it's a big variable to just drop out of the equation yeah. because all of a sudden, like, okay, so I play lacrosse and what? And what? Yeah. So yeah. what? What? What other? What other variables are going to step up or be brought in that you know increase that self mm-hmm. like self image? Yeah. You know, for, for me, I, I was able to find some other stuff, but mm-hmm. that was certainly a more challenging hill that you know I, I keep revisiting over and yeah. over is that like. You know, in high school, you ever you played every day, and you'd be like, "Oh, like yeah, I'm just going out there, like good it's lacrosse." The routine. I've been out there, good lacrosse. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, well, it's that worst routine. thing that could happen is just like I'm gonna look like had a terrible day playing lacrosse, fun, let off some steam. Fun. Yeah. That kind of thing. Yeah. Well, and that's I'm, that better than somebody else. I mean, realistically, that is that I need. I you know you want to feel. It's that competitive. Yeah. Aspect, and obviously that's more specifically with sports. You don't really see it as much with academics and and other variables in life. But when you lose a passion, or when you, exactly. when you stop doing a passion, that's why routine's so great. Yes, absolutely. And this is this whole thing going back, like when you lose a variable, or mm-hmm. when you overvalue that variable. The hardest thing to do is zoom out on the equation itself. Happy medium. Have that. <laughs> it's finding the happy medium, and it's it's um the yeah it's finding where you can go. Oh, this is the equation itself, not just this. This yeah. is not like if yeah no, it's exactly that. I am my whole image was not just lacrosse play, or playing lacrosse. My whole image was I like to I'm I these interests in school. I have these interests outside of school, as in socially. I have athletically. I have uh, you know, w- with movies, with TV shows, with with books, with uh, people, different, you know, like famous people and influential people and all these things. You have all these things that make you influence the sense of who you are. Mm-hmm. And when you lose something like that, like something that I was telling you before about um, how a lot of the times it will be other people. It will be, for example... Uh, a, a, a partner you lose a, you lose a partner you, you lose an individual in your exactly. life exactly it changes your self image because you don't have that in many ways specifically with a partner you don't mm-hmm. have that um, you know re, like that not echo chamber it's the wrong word because that has a negative connotation sure. but like you lose that um, it's 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 like a fuel positive you yeah. lose, you lose that positive reinforcement sure yeah, yeah yeah because because it's it's when you are yourself when you kind of feel like the whole yeah. equation yeah they enjoy that yes and something that happens when you lose it is yeah you you will have something that happens also before that actually is that you will become people not you but one will become so over involved 
in that person yeah. that they forget about the rest that of is. the equation. They request about other people, other things that are part of their life that that influence the way they are. And something that I have I have come to appreciate, for example, with like not playing soccer is is finding a new new routine. So yeah. starting this podcast, reading more, listening to more podcasts, um, uh, watching more, you know, informational thing, ta- having conversations that are, you know, intellectually stimulating, looking for things that actually make my brain do things that wouldn't usually be if I were to just sit on social media all day yeah. or, or just watch, you know, mindless TV or play video games. Like now I'm not, I'm not trying to deter from those things. Cause that's actually a nice thing to do here and there. Like just calming yourself and, and letting yourself release from the thought of your sense of self. But when you take away that equation, it's like a vacuum. There is you have to be able to plug that hole, and and be able to um, find the value of that plugging to be equal, if not greater, than the previous uh, variable that it was. And so, yeah. like meditating was a huge thing in, in my like f- being able to not sit on my phone for so long. Yeah, and see that would be. Yeah, and it's and but but something I've seen with like some people is is they have this very for example people in college you drink people drink and something focus on it you disintegrate they disintegrate exactly they focus on it so much to a point that if they lose something else if the variable is so tied to that one mm -hmm, thing that when you when you lose that thing that is that you are tied to you revert back to these routines of sitting in your room all day that don't necessarily give you you could get away with them when you were receiving all this positive feedback mm-hmm. from the other variable but if you not. if they were just if they were the exclusive thing which they now are mm-hmm. of your attention mm-hmm. you get nothing positive out of it yeah. and there's something interesting that our, our past coach john thompson uh used to say was freshman year he brought all the freshmen like together and he'd say if i had one piece of advice for you guys grab an oar and row meaning like if you're in a rowboat and you're just you know meandering on the ocean mm-hmm. what you, you sitting on your ass isn't gonna do anything. do anything for you so just find something you like and what you like something and you want to do it. and let yeah so and just go and just just do mm-hmm. it do it give everything to mm-hmm. it that and he goes that doesn't have to be lacrosse it doesn't have to be you know school we hope it's school <laughs> yeah, but, <laughs> but it, like it can it's a just find cool. something you really like and do it with like a hundred percent, and that was mm-hmm. it. Was a good way of thinking about it. And obviously, as a freshman, it's it's difficult to take that advice, and it's tough to find that thing. Yeah, but you remember it. But you remember so. that quote, especially for the future, when if something goes wrong, like or you find yourself in 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 a bad spot, you go, okay, so how do I get out of this bad spot? Because being yeah. being a freshman in college is not necessarily a bad spot, but you're not you're not exposed as much. Yeah. So you're not ready for those for those yeah situations have, to come up. You're at the like you said. No one likes to be at the bottom. You are You're at, at the, the bottom. bottom. <laughs> yep, that's for sure. You have to find you have and you and by grabbing a row, or grabbing mm-hmm. grabbing a row, grabbing an oar, <laughs> grabbing an oar, you find a way to bring yourself up mm-hmm. and, and find mm-hmm. some self value there. And this was what actually speaks to because I'm considering the alternative portion of that is the oar may not be the best oar. The uh, the route you take, the variable you r- put in, may not be the one that sticks around for the longest. Doesn't so, have to be. For example, I could stop reading books. I could. I think <laughs> I started and I could go. Ah, I don't like them anymore. anymore. I'm just gonna stop. Like that could be. A, that could be a thing that I do, and it may not be good for me. But there's other things that you know. I guess I, I like. I could stop watching Netflix shows. Fuck That's words. That's something. Yeah. <laughs> fuck words. Those are useless. Um, but 
something like that and being able to accept the defeat not the defeat but the opportunity of failure yeah. seeing that the ore might break on you and then you now what do you got to do you got to continue to, you, you got to go somewhere you can't just sit there i mean there you are can other ores there are <laughs> other ores that too and i think or the ore is fixable there yeah. are things you that will bring you back to the starting point to be able to continue to roll that um I know so many people aren't willing to do, and they put themselves where they're just going to keep fighting it and keep fighting it. Fighting and so the inevitable. And yeah, and there's 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 a there's a wall there that Slam is. your head against the wall. It, it really is, and it's, it's kind of the definition of insanity is trying the same thing over and over again until and expecting different results. And something that I saw was I expected to be fulfilled. For example, on the ranch, by I expected phone? to be to be on my. F I expected that my time would be fulfilled. Yeah. By just by virtue being. of being. Yeah. And by and but what my being was was sitting on my phone and just not doing any like mindlessly being and that's not that's not what I wanted. Yeah. And so I went for the hard route and obviously that's not like the hard route as far as things go but I went for something that could change my routine yeah. and was not easy to do and requires like a cognitive influence. Made yourself uncomfortable yes, with absolutely. the virtue of getting better. Absolutely. And acknowledging that this shit is not going to be easy yeah. and this ride is not going to go smoothly but in the long run once it hits its stride it's then going to continue to to be part of the routine to a point where it actually is easy and it, it is fulfilling and you actually see changes come from it. Yeah. But you have to get through that threshold of discomfort and you have to be able to to step into the circumstances that make you consider like, oh shit, I think I grabbed the wrong ore. <laughs> but now I'm here and this is the only ore I have, so I gotta I gotta use it for now. Not until I guess the the metaphor of the the grabbing the ore to row is like there is only one ore until you break the ore you lose the ore or you the ore fucks off yeah and then you have options again you grab one and you go on and then they go away and it's it's, it's that thing that like but you have to be able to start the best again things come out of change yes you have to come out and, and come out of that it change sucks. <laughs> it sucks but it's worth it yeah. it's hard the hard things are worth doing almost all the time Facts. And I think there's, and then those hard things become easy. For example, running. I hate running. I used to yeah, try to do fan. it. And it's not a fan at all. But I Started got, I remember, again, I remember la this summer, I got myself to a point where I was actually kind of enjoying my running because sure. I found a mental comfort, a mindful state where I was just very cognizant of the fact that I was progressing physically, like running, like taking steps. Just popping off on a runner's high. It was, it was, it wasn't even, a, I mean, but I don't treat, <laughs> I, I didn't know, treat I it like, a, yeah, it, I don't treat it like a runner's high. It was just like, oh, this is how they feel yeah. when they actually enjoy it. And I always thought like runners are crazy. Cross country guys, you're on drugs. What you're telling <laughs> me. You're telling Cracked. me you are on the crack. And that, that kind of stuff where it's, it's the, it's exactly what made me realize that it's it's the hard stuff that become easy and become worthwhile and become the the greater variable or wow, actually wow I did that yeah like wow yeah, I did wow, that. that I did that and I it, can do that and at some point it's not even I did that anymore it's I'm doing that yeah. and I am that and it's part of me and then it's not that bi and it's and then you get to see the greater scale like, and of the it's greater just another positive again. variable exactly and that and that makes for the self-identity to be easier. That equation is not as convoluted and so overvalued on specific parts. You just see this these series of variables and Do you then run you on see the, ranch? the equation. 
I ran a couple times. I, I ran towards the end because I just decided it was like, some physical stuff. Well, I was so tired after probably oh, yeah, every sure. day on the ranch. Little blue collar guy. <laughs> Freaking grinding, man. And then, but also with elevation, dude, yeah. you were so tired at the ends of days. So there was like a month and a half. I was just a bum after <laughs> work. It was so annoying. Like I looking mean, you were, back, you were burning. You were working. Yeah, hard. it was. It was a lot of work actually. But now I think what I know, knowing what I know. I mean, it's going to take me a little bit to adjust, and I'm there longer now, but yeah. I'm, gonna, I'm definitely going to start running when I'm back. Yeah. Because, one, like, the elevation helps with your fitness. You yeah. have to be more, you know, fit to sure, do It's that. also beautiful. You oh, sent some pictures. Beautiful. and Beautiful. It, it yeah. Couldn't be bad. It's not no, too bad. There and are when, worse places to run. When I was out in California this semester, there was, a, there was a street that went up and down the beach, and I was in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. Um, and... It is pretty much surrounded by mountains, okay. and it was a really, really cool thing where I'd run with my roommate Matt, um, and we would like every time we stop, be like, "Holy shit, this is incredible!" Because mm-hmm. we look to the right, we see the blue ocean, and that's and the mountains on the left. Perfect. And you look to the left, and it's just like these scenic mountains. And there was a place that we worked out that was like a like a softball field that was pretty much on the ocean. Yeah. There's a beach there, and then you, we looked up facing the mountains. And it was like, what like. If anything could motivate you to work out, this this is uh, that. Like yeah, we are so it's yeah. so fortunate. Yeah, that's really nice too because it's there is there is an added like factor that is like setting. Go out and see your outside. Yeah, yeah, go out and look look at the world. But do along with that, help your body. Do some do, things. Do some stuff. <laughs> do some shit, and it and then it actually makes it more worthwhile. It's all if you do it the right way. If you apply the correct um, mindset, but also physical setting mm. to um, whatever you're doing, you will find productivity through it. And um, and you'll find the worthwhile beauty of, of seeing the change that might have been missing when you only saw that, oh, I just get skinny if I keep running. Or, oh, my, my, my arms go smaller. It's like, no, but now you can run, you can walk for miles and days on end or something, or you can... You can uh, comfortably communicate and walk. I like. I used to be able to actually. Now probably it's the same. But walking and talking, I'd have to take deep breaths and stuff. And I notice I'd be panting sometimes when I'd be trying to walk and talk too much because yeah. there's like there's just a level of fitness that I wasn't at. <laughs> and but something like even something as basic as that gives me a reason to want to get in shape again. Yeah. And that's it's like finding the reason that keeps you going. Is, is so important on this whole variable of, of existence and the equation that is your sense of self. And I think, I think at, the, at the end of the day, more than anything, is let that variable just be as it is. For whatever reason you grab that ore, you grab it. You grab it. And, and, and remember that you are still the human that you are. Regardless of what those variables look like, how those variables feel, you are still your name and who you want to feel as they as it is, yeah. and then you choose how you how you manipulate those variables to make you feel a certain sense of self. Yeah, that was I think um, we hung out a, you know a week or two ago. Yeah. Uh, there was there's something I said that was uh, that I strongly believe is that everyone wants to be the hero of their own story, mm-hmm. and it's so difficult to figure out how to like and, and get motivated if you don't feel like the hero of your own story. Yeah, if you don't feel like you're the best thing. 
going, you know? Like, yeah, you're not the ideal or the archetype of yourself. Yeah, and it's, a, again, like we've talked about self-fulfilling prophecy of stuff. Yeah. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. If you're not doing anything to feel better, you're not going to feel better. You're not, yeah. So that's... It goes both ways. Yeah, and, yeah. and, and that's a very big thing is that, like, if you feel like you're the shit, you're gonna do stuff. You're gonna you're gonna do things that make you happy. You're gonna mm-hmm. do stuff that you you when you feel like you're the best, you do things that make you feel like you're the best. Yeah, that's for sure. So I, that is yeah. It, be the hero to your own story. Mm-hmm. And that hero is also. I'm gonna. I have to go to the bathroom, but I just want to add something. As well. The hero is not perfect. Mm-hmm. The hero is a human being, and so you are allowed to make mistakes along the way, and yeah. you're gonna fail along the way. I'm not being the motivational guy. I'm just acknowledging the reality of the situation. That is, you're going to hit bumps. You're going to make mistakes. But those make mistakes, if you apply them correctly, will allow you to be who you are. Yeah. All right. Pause. Starting right here. (laughs) We're just saying, I've decided that I'm getting a silver chain. And I've I've had, you know, a conversation with several of my friends who are saying, you know, that could be trashy. Apparently, it's only trashy if it's gold. Eh, why? I don't know. Did who said it that? Who told you that? It's several parties. I don't know. Several parties. several parties. You know, weighed in and said it's only white trash if it's gold. If it's so, gold, yeah. A silver chain. What would the silver chain have? Or would it just be one of those? Like, uh, it would chain? be a silver chain. It'd have like a little dog tag in the middle, and okay, there's okay. gonna be um, a. I'm gonna get like an engraved symbol on the front, which I'll get to in a second. But then the one on the back is going to be a quote that I haven't really like decided yet. And I was thinking, oh, what's a great quote that I like from like Peaky Blinders? Is there anything that's like hilarious? But no, it's a little cheesy, you know? So I've, I've had like a little struggle and like I'm trying to come up with like, you know, an inspiring quote that I really think like speaks to me. And like I could turn over and be like, wow, like that's cool. Like I feel good about that quote. Mm-hmm. And I haven't really found it yet. Um, Just waiting on the moment. But waiting, on, waiting on the moment. Find um, the happy medium. Yeah. Find the happy medium. Or uh, the everything moment. good comes in moderation. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe. Just all these cashphrases, all yeah. these buzzwords, just firing them off. Yeah. Something like that. But, um, but what, the So you symbol, got it from Peaky Blinders. I, well, no, I, I just re- was looking on my phone and I saw um, Peaky Blinders as like a picture and uh-huh. I thought I was going to get a quote from there, but uh, there aren't any really good quotes that I really want really? to live my life by. I think I need to rewatch that show to... Fine. There's probably and I'm some... sure because I googled like good Peaky oh, Blinders okay, quotes, okay. Sure, and sure, I was sure. just like, okay, like let me read through this like hundred quote list. That's a lot of quotes. Oh, I mean, you just scroll, and if it's too long, it's too long. Mm-hmm. Um, but Tommy has some good quotes, but none of that were like, wow, like I really want to say that like on like a necklace. You know what I'm saying? Or, like, yeah, a, yeah. There's nothing that's like it, it needs to be a little bit warmer. A universal. I, I've so I think about that with like this is different, but with tattoos. Mm. So. I have, and this is kind of broader, and I don't want to focus the, the thing on me, but the idea of like, I'm not attached to any concept. That's so or true. Image. That's why I want a necklace and not a tattoo. Exactly. Like I can take it on and off, and if I like want it on, I want that like reassurance. Like yeah. that's it's where it is, and I'm I'm not I'm like I'm buying it. I'm not necessarily gonna wear it, but I like having it having as it an and option. Maybe I'll wear it. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah. It's interesting, but the the symbol that I was I kind of cut you off, but the oh, symbol. Oh yeah, the symbol. Um, is a very interesting. It's um, obviously people are very familiar with Greek mythology um, and like that type of stuff. That it's pretty, you know, pretty familiar. We have the Percy Jackson books. We have a bunch of youth books that like, really make it approachable. Um, Irish mythology, very very cool. Like I think is is probably what Greek as much mythology. Interesting. It's probably yeah, as interesting. I it just is don't Greek mythology it. for like. 
a teenage like a late teenager so like it's like <laughs> more mature themes where like oh we're like it's very obviously war oriented and stuff like that interesting and it's not as you know friendly um but there's there's a quick um quick summary of basically what yeah, it is, yeah. is there's it's a guy um he's basically a demigod he's, he's a born of um their, their main god lou and his human human, hey, human Lou. mother Lou. Hey, Lou. Get over here, Lou. Sun God. Get over yeah. here, buddy. Um and he's basically a hero, but he at the young age he like there's a day when they all pick up weapons for the first time. Okay. And the day that you pick up weapons for the first time is the day that like will uh, speak to your future. And it's like a prophecy. If you take up weapons on this day, you will live a long, a long life, or sorry, sorry, a short life, but you will be will be filled with many like great deeds. So you will live a a short but amazing life is basically what the prophecy told about the day he picked up his mm. weapons, um, and he kind of lived by that the entire like through his entire life, and he never really looked back because he was he became the best warrior in Ireland, um, and he had this. Uh, it's called a berserker's rage, which you've probably heard of, like with Vikings, where they will get so angry or so worked up that they'll just go on a killing frenzy. Yeah. Right. He has the same thing, but it's for, for I, the Irish, and it, it was called the. Um, it was like Cuchulain's rage. His name is Cuchulain, which is okay. really really weird, you know, sus name, but it's okay. Irish. Um. Yeah. No, it's it's cool. And he would just like he entered that state and like he was unbeatable and it was very yeah. very cool. And he it was one of those things is actually ironic because there's like jesus imagery and the way he dies is he mm. ties himself to a rock um basically a witch has cast a spell on his people and he's honor bound to defend them but all the men in, in have been put to sleep but because he's a god he's immune to this spell okay. or whatever so then he, he gets he fights goes out and fights and he's fighting an army an entire army he gets wounded whatever he ties himself to a rock at like the middle of like a pass and like for honor's sake the army can't pass until they've defeated him and he like holds the army off for like a week or something like that um and then eventually he you know he dies and it's this emotional thing but he has um and so it's a very cool thing and i and there's several books that have you know fictionalized it um there's also a book series that's basically done you know percy jackson how they do them it's there's a similar thing where it brings in a bunch of uh mythology it's a very very good book series called the tapestry series i liked it when i was younger recently read it i was like that is so cool Mm -hmm. it was just the way it was written it's very cool um but it it's kind of a reminder there's so many different quotes that say like live your life to the fullest or like Mm-hmm. live like you're gonna die tomorrow or stuff like that and they're all and i feel like a lot of times those are a little cheesy and they often go like okay i can think about that now but like do i really want to do that that's something yeah, yeah yeah for sure and it comes off as preachy or not a, not again like i said approachable it's not approachable to just say that mm-hmm. um and so words maybe don't do it justice, and then the way that maybe a symbol would. I don't know. Again, it's it's something I'm gonna buy, and Is I there bought. A symbol that exi- Are there symbolisms or symbols that exist in our, in Irish mythology? Yeah, and there's this is his symbol. It's uh, I kind of skipped over this part when he was a kid. He uh, basically he played their sport, which is similar to hockey, I think. Um, where he played this sport and his yeah, family like football or some shit. Yeah, they, they have was, some crazy. It was like it was like stickball or something where like it's like it's literally like hockey, but you can juggle it. Yeah, no, I've seen the sport. It's sick. Sick. Insane. It's so cool. They have like a soccer net too. It's like a weird. 
sport yeah. on field, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was kind it, of lacrosse too. I don't know. A yeah. little bit. A little bit. Yeah. Like, and he was playing and he was beating, like he was playing individually against like a group and he was beating everyone. Um, and then his family was like, okay, we're going to this feast at this neighboring like kingdom. It's called Ulster. Okay. Right? Um, which is like a major house in Irish um, folklore and stuff. And he goes, okay, I'll come after this next game. He comes after the next game, but it's getting dark. Everyone's already inside. He sees the lights, sees everyone in there. So he's approaching the, um, what's it called? He's approaching the fortress and the, the, the hall. And all of a sudden he's attacked by a very, very large dog. Like the big, it's like, like a, a big hound. Like right? a boar or something. Like a yeah, B-O-E-R. Uh, it's like a boar boar or something. Those things are enormous. Well, it's a huge dog. Like a bear-sized yeah, dog. It's a gigantic dog known for its like ferocity and whatever. But it is it, that dog was called the Hound of Ulster. Okay. And the kingdom of Ulster has like you know profited from it that having that dog. The dog would patrol at nighttime around the outside mm. of the village um, and would protect them so they didn't have to post any guards. The boy's name, Kuchlin, who was previously, uh, his name was Satanta, um, he kills the dog. And obviously they're pissed. They're like, are you kidding me? Like, God damn it, man. Like, Come on, kid. And he was like, I'm so sorry. Like, da, da, da. And then the guy goes, you'll, you'll never be able to repay us. And he goes, I'm, I'll, I'll be your hound. Like, watch me. Yeah, he goes, I'll watch me for the next seven years until you can, like, there, there are pups that are, like, growing up to be this next hound. And they're, they're going to grow, but it's going to be seven years until they're really ready. Okay. Or a couple years until they're really ready. Mm-hmm. And he goes, I'll protect the village until then. And they go, what? And he goes, yeah, no, there's no, nothing. It's fine. Don't worry about it. And in many ways, he so he, he becomes then the Hound of Ulster. And he is, he's tied to that village um, and the protecting in that kingdom. Interesting. And the, the whole gimmick is that, you know, they were more afraid to attack Ulster, like enemies were, than when there was a dog. Because he, you know, was like... He took it so seriously. He was like more and more deadly. The passion yeah. that a dog was blindly following. The dog didn't really know why. Yeah. But the, but the kid was the vicious. And knew. just, and he was like, it was something like uh, 11, 12, 13. Like he was young, but yeah. he, I and mean, he was again a deadly a dog young and whatever. Goat. And it's in the yeah. mythology and whatever. And they're yeah. saying, you know, he was the best warrior they'd ever seen and, and remarkably vicious. But it was, it was just, you know, a cool thing. But that's, it's, that's the symbol. Is there two dogs um, going out from the middle, kind of interwoven in that Celtic way? You know okay, that, that okay. meshing pattern, um, and it it's uh, the cycle of the Hound of Ulster, the cycle of Ulster, I believe. Cycle. Of um, I'll look it up real quick. Yeah, Google. Uh, yeah, Google the cycle of the Hound of Ulster, and uh, it kind of talk. I mean, it's the cycle. It's the dog comes in, the kid comes out, and he's known as the Hound of Ulster. It's Kuchel and the Hound of Ulster. Okay. Um, and it, it it's a allegory for you know strength, determination, protecting what you believe in. Um, and his life as a whole is uh, speaks to living life to the fullest. You know, knowing that hey, like even if I live a short life, I'm going to live it to the fullest, mm. make the most of it. Um, yeah, and it just it spoke to me in a way well, that, that it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, for sure. The like, the aspect of of um, what you were saying before of the prophecy. Yeah. How if you you pick a certain, or I guess you pick your weaponry on a certain day, you either live a long, boring life or a short, intensely active life. Yeah. Or, or entertaining. That's kind of how, you know, you could treat. Um, 
day-to-day activities to a certain sense because you're you gotta i mean it's it's obviously the the problem with these these like allegories is that they can be reinterpreted as anything really Mm -hmm. (laughs) but um the like what i try to get out of it is the the way it applies seeing it how it applies to me so like for example i don't like to think that i don't like to live by the standard of live as if it's the last day of your life yeah i like saying like sure we'll use that same framework but treat it as put everything you've got like it's the last time yeah and this is something actually that um stoicism very much uh is is a it has a big part of it which is treating it's treating these these moments that you have where you be where your feet are yes be where you are be where your feet are um and and how you can you appreciate that uh the arguments that you have i mean you have an argument with your sister and you find you can rather than going over that same argument you can realize like i might not do that again for a long time (laughs) and it's like it's it's a fun thing it's actually in the long run it's a good thing to do having arguments with people with different people and and those arguments change depending on the person it is and, and the context of the of the argument and so that's Something that <clears throat> definitely that's what I love about mythology. A lot of a lot of mythology is that it's not about the mythology at the end of the day. It's about the lessons that you learn yeah. from that mythology. There's stories. The same thing with religion. It's not, I mean that is in concept what that is is mythology. It's it's a it's these myths that teach us and give us room for interpretation to create uh, like analogy uh, analogous views of how to treat our life. Yeah. And our experience in a way that we we're still like people. We, mm-hmm. you know, we're still we're not demigods, but <laughs> we can we can have the mindset of a demigod, sure. and that is not sure. not the I'm unstoppable. The I can be stopped, but I'm gonna do what I can to not be. Yeah, I have and limits. He, he he dies on that stone, stopping mm-hmm. that army. But it's when you choose to yeah put your foot down or when how did you get into Irish mythology? It was I it really was the book. Um, my, my, I would read Greek mythology and Uh then, um, my mom, you know, she was always grabbing good books for me. It's just like stores and stuff and whenever, um, and she happened to give me this Irish mythology book first. I read it, got a grasp of who he was, didn't really think anything of it. And then I read this book, um, called the Tapestry Series. It's five books, um, it's by Hugh Neff, and he, they're definitely built for, like, teenagers. So it's, like, maybe a little past what we would enjoy reading now. But it's a really, really great story of, like, it's a um, coming-of-age type thing. Like, um, he really grows into that warrior role. So, it, again, it really ties, you know, me being, you know, whatever I was, 15, 16, you know. Yeah. It was really it was really a cool book to read at that time because I was like, okay, he's becoming a man. He's coming. He's growing into his role. He's growing into his responsibilities and stuff like that. Um and then recently I've been rereading a bunch of books that I liked as a kid just because I love the stories. Um, and they feel they feel just like something I like to do. It's, you know, I come home and it's like, mm. really grounds me in a way. Yeah. Um, mm. And a lot, like, it's credit to the, the author. It's written when he, because the, the kid has the same thing where he goes into this battle rage. It's called a warp spasm. Where, okay. like, it, it's the... the the mythology description is you can't tell whether he's like man or animal. Like he's just so ferocious that it's like it's crazy. And the the author writes it really really well in the the, the novelization of the of the tapestry series. Um, and it was like 
it was just really compelling. And then I reread the the stories that he wrote basically from, you know, mm. um, the the base mythology stories. Where and where they I was came like, from. And the guy was like, he's a badass. He's he's so much cooler because he's, he's so much more in depth and so much more like, he's so much more emotional than a lot of heroes we see in, you know, maybe Greek. Because in Greek, it's rarely, it's really just a tragedy and the, the, the hero seems very like two-dimensional. Things happen, Things and, happen and then that's it. Yeah. Like they don't – there's no effect on them. The effect is like, oh, I'm mad. I'm going to kill someone. And then yeah. there's, there's no like, like – Oh, that was bad. Yeah. Oh, I'm so sorry. How am I going to repent or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah. But with, with – uh, There's no consequence almost. With Kuchulin, he's like very much a flawed character. His anger is his issue. But he like works through that and he's like very ha- – like it's tough to say he's just such a bad <laughs> he's just a badass like he, mm-hmm. there's nothing that like stops him and he makes so many mistakes mm-hmm. but he then like learns from learns them. from them serves through it and he's a very imperfect character mm. but you can choose to embrace like the the cool great parts about him yeah and not be like well because he cheats on his wife like a bunch and, you know you go okay well that's not what I'm gonna yeah, take from well, this and it, it speaks to the thing I was saying about about a kind of uh, blindly following someone. Yeah. It's not that you want to do that. You want to you want to find what you see and what resonates mm-hmm. with you, and then you don't want to disregard. I think you want to acknowledge that and say like, oh well, I have my flaws. He has his flaws. I don't agree with what he did. He did like I don't agree that he cheated with his wife. Cheated on his wife. That's a choice he made though. But that I don't think that's like not letting that speak to the rest of the characterization yeah. of that person is exactly how. It, things and people and ideas and and everything should be treated so that you get the message because there's most things it's not about the substance itself it's about what the consequences of the substance it's what came before the substance to create that thing and, and these ideas and they they let you they give you the room for interpretation to then yeah. flourish that's pretty cool though i mean I've never heard of Irish mythology. Yeah, it's no, it's cool it's concept. so cool. Like there, yeah. and there, obviously, there's different different set of gods and whatever. But I really like it. Anyway, the um, the reason I think that it speaks so much to me was kind of um, I've kind of grown into caring about things. Mm-hmm. If you kind of if you kind of get what I'm saying, it's like into caring, um, into really caring, like really being passionate about. You're not just doing it to do it. Um, like yeah. You know, I think that's with everyone. You grow up and you really find, you know, what you like doing and what you, um, what you want to be your future and what you really enjoy doing. So you invest more time into it. Um, it's it's a story that really reminds me that he is because I mean he has these he's this rage and he's this but he's this passion as well. Like he really wants to do this and he's so driven. Mm. It's something that really reminds me to care about what I'm doing. To really care about everything you're doing. Be driven. Be aggressively pursue what you want yeah um and i don't know it again it's tough to encapsulate that in a single quote yeah without being extremely cheesy or like um i guess monotone in its approach yeah well there's 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 like a there's still a universality that you want Mm -hmm. that's not necessarily what monotone is because a universal thing is usually super nuanced and super flowing it's like fluid it kind of influences so many different circumstances that's what universality does yeah um but i was thinking like one thing if you're gonna especially it's a necklace so you have the choice of wearing it and not wearing it yeah i think 
some you're valuing the variable that is people, uh, the people's opinion. I think at the end of the day, because like for example that like I live by now the <laughs> the everything good comes in moderation. Yeah. And now that's not that's like I'm 20 years old. I don't think that I mean it could be the thing that I live by the most, but something like that. It's pretty damn cheesy. I mean, it's because, <laughs> but it's because it's a universal con. It's a universal structure to applying your day to day experience. So I think for you deciding deciding on a on a quote or a symbol or, or whatever it may be, I think it should be more about how you feel and how it makes you as a person, like as the sense of self yeah. and a sense of place mm-hmm. in your reality. I think is easier to find when you're not. When you know that there's no there's no influence on people sure. like those people are not gonna see that no one's really gonna see it partners are making sexual partners <laughs> may see it and like even then they may not see it because you may not show it to them so there's there's a level there that you're not you're not needing the the weight of people so whatever yeah. honestly it's whatever resonates and, and then, I think I think the quote so I was saying yeah. that I've yet yet to find a you know a full on quote that really ties it all together because Mm -hmm. obviously that symbol isn't the full picture of what i want on that necklace i want something else that kind of speaks to me in a more warm way Mm -hmm. um and i haven't i've yet to find that quote but i think once i get that quote put on and in i i think you know it'll really tie it together i'll be it'll be more Mm. you know ready for it And again it's not something i'm gonna wear but it might be something i put by my bedside it might be something i wear occasionally or maybe i wear it more i'll feel it out feel feel what i I want with it yeah um but it was, yeah, it was very funny when I initially had this conversation. I was like, I joked to my sister. I was like, oh, like, I'm getting a chain. What do you think about that? She goes, please don't get a gold chain. I'm like, I'm not going to get a gold chain. Yeah, don't worry funny. about it. That's funny. Um, I'm like, that's, that's, not, that's not me. Yeah. Um, but even then, like, the idea yeah. of just I would hate myself chain, if I had a gold chain. I feel like there's a level of, <laughs> yeah, there's got to be a level of, like, insecurity you got to yeah. have to be like, I want to look like I'm rich, so sure. I it's it's not it's like a very che- it's a cheap it's thing. A, I'm buying cheap. a cheap thing. Oh, exactly. But like, I think you're wearing it more for a personal mm-hmm. thing, and has it has almost no influence on, on what people are gonna perceive of this circumstance. It's gonna mm-hmm. be more about how you how it makes me feel. It's yeah, not, how it's, makes it, you feel? What it gives me, you, not what it gives other people. Exactly. Exactly. On that, I think our DoorDash is here. We it's could fantastic. actually just keep rolling this, and it'd be hilarious. To see what happens. <laughs> But um, the guy is not at the house. Kind of want to just ask someone to get it. But I think we're gonna we're gonna stop for a second just and snap your fingers and yeah, hey hey, Sebi, come over <laughs> here. No, we um, we gotta grab this food. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go get that. I'll be right back. And we're back. Why is there a stop? Oh, I didn't do it right. It doesn't matter. We're here now. <laughs> we're here now. It's been I don't know how much time it's been since we stopped, but um. We just watched an episode of Alien Worlds, new show on Netflix. It's cracked. It's fucking great. <laughs> it, is, it dives into something that, like, you only hear talked about, you know? When we talk about different forms of possible forms of life, there's not really much, um, there's a lot, of, it's a lot of speculation, but there's a lot not of hypotheticals. A, yeah, it's a lot of hypotheticals. And obviously, they, what they do a good job of is, is staying within the hypothetical, I'll turn that off in a second. <laughs> but it um it it apply it looks at kind of the categorical uh 
standards that create life. So, you know, uh, having a sun or a star uh, within a solar, being within a solar system, uh, like it's gravitational pull to that. There's also gravity as it like on the planet itself, oxygen levels, uh, an atmosphere, at an atmosphere, as well as um, whether how much water and the influence of water and that because water is like the thing that you need for life. Sure, um, but. That we know of. That we know of, yes. Uh, that's a main, I think, something that they talk about in an earlier episode um, is they talk about that they keep finding uh, oxygen as being the definitive kind of element for um, sustaining life. Yeah. Which is kind of sick. Because carbon's not usually very scarce. Exactly. Hydrogen's what the stars are made of. Mm-hmm. Oxygen. Oxygen you know. is just oxygen. We have it and it yeah. works. <laughs> um, but... What do you? What did you think of that that last episode? Oh, I thought the most interesting part was the discussion we had afterwards. That uh, we were talking about how you know what would happen if we met you know alien life. Um, what would be the interaction? What would it look like? And there's you know the guy on the on the show was saying, oh, we demonize um, these alien life forms. They, why? Who's to say they would come down and be evil? And I brought up the point that. Let's look at, you know, let's just say that the U.S. government is the government that touches aliens and, you know, gets gets in touch with um, the first extraterrestrial life. Um, and I brought up the fact that we don't do typically very well as a United States government dealing with people other than us, mm-hmm. um, especially in our, you know, treatment of you know, South American countries and stuff like that. Um, and... I'm not sure if I want those same people making the decisions that they probably will probably will be put in that the position to make. Mm-hmm. Um, so again, then extrapolating that from us, perhaps the aliens we come into contact, if we are going to be that you know hostile, how in, in in the way that we you know screwed over other governments um, in South America, let's say, the same thing happens if we are going to treat other aliens the same way that, that we, we treated, treated our our own humans. Who's to say that the aliens coming in won't be the exact same thing and be mm-hmm. hostile? And who's yeah. to say we won't be hostile back? And who's to say it's going to be good? Yeah. So there's a lot of risks going on, but uh, I'm not super confident in our uh, in our ability to establish peaceful relations. Yeah, and it makes sense. I mean, when you look at like what I established was like the laws of nature being different. I mean, like we were just talking about the different variables that go into life being as it is. Um, there's like one planet that has. Uh, the gravitational pull of its star is so strong that it doesn't rotate on its, mm. on an axis. It just stays the same. So it's half. So that th- right there, their half, laws half of dark, nature, half, light. half dark, half light. So that like even that creates an environment <coughs> that is entirely different. Just treating travel, for example, and treating the col- yeah. like the concept of colonization, so much different because it's like you you just don't want to be on the side that has no sun because it's freaking cold and. There's not much going on there. So it's, I think something like that, um, considering a variable where it's possible that that these ideas, which I, we don't even know if they have the, such thing as concepts. Maybe they're beyond concepts where they actually understand the metaphysical on a sense that is so beyond us. I mean, like we were talking about with AI, um, the break about how – the the Google created that AI that was communicating, and they got to a point where they thought they they thought they'd stop talking, but it was yeah. actually they communicating more efficiently. 
better scary. than anything. It's just that's scary, scary. Yeah. exactly. And that's and I feel like, if so, they they talk about how they they send out these signals and try to commute and try to you know indicate that like these certain things like um, that they they live like aspects characteristics of, of Earth. Yeah, and, and now we're talking about the uh, the the show we were just watching mm-hmm, mm-hmm. in which the we were looking at a guy and he he was in charge of broadcasting a signal mm-hmm. from Earth to outer space to mm-hmm. let aliens know that you know what we look like, how we count, yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. Is what he's talking about now. And um, I think I think reaching. So you were saying you were saying there was two possibilities really, like yeah, two possibilities for circumstances yeah. that aliens would come to Earth. Yeah. Either they're fleeing a dying planet or a dying solar system, or they are, they have established such a good environment on their er, on their their form of Earth that they can sprout and colonize. They they have decided to colonize other parts. I am willing to hypothetically claim that there's also the third alternative, which is they have established a good you know base for Earth, and there's more an explorative um, nature to it that is like, well, we know that there's going to be life forms on other planets, so let's try and get to know them rather than just fucking making them our slaves or making them our bit, like making them ours, you know? But are they curious enough? Because, you know, when they establish interplanetary travel, intergalactic travel, mm-hmm. are they curious enough to spend that amount of money? Or the amount well, of their resources, or their their resources to to show up here. I think it's worth it. I mean, we have we're the only species right on this planet that has established a civilization. Well, I think. Well, I'm saying as <laughs> if a, if a, we in, were doing on, it to someone else. Exactly. I think. I think like we're the only. We are the only ones we know of that have consciousness and have a civilization, have a sense of of self that is that is built on prior knowledge that is. That's something that do, do we don't see in other animals. Relates to the, the octopus. Exactly, exactly the octopi and how they they don't they have like they're the far closest thing to aliens in that they have uh, nine central nervous systems. There's nine meaning one brain for every leg yes. and one central brain and how mm-hmm. they all communicate. And then but they don't a partial hive mind. Yeah, it's like a hive mind, and they they yeah they're independent of it, but also working in in it's with crazy. that. It's 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 an insane concept, but something like that. Where the the fact that we only see these two kind of extreme forms that don't even have like a, a built like we're the only basically knowledge wise we're the only ones that have prior knowledge to use and that's that is why not evolutionary are not exactly know, they're octopi aren't the ones that are dominating this planet right and even so, though they have a hive mind exactly they they still have they have the biological uh, wheelhouse or um, tools to to be an incredibly intelligent species now looking at an uh an alien species that was trying to colonize uh, or not colonize just explore let's just look at on a basic level they're interested and they have enough resources to explore and they received a signal thousands of years ago that was like we are we are humans we have earth and yeah, we look like this yeah we, we have these like elements uh, yeah we count and we have these elements that are that can that establish why like we have life on this planet i think it wouldn't come across as colonize us like it would or it wouldn't come across as like i dare you to try like there's no there's no it seems to be that there is no con- contest of 
like we'd fuck you up. There's no there's no trash talk is what it feels like. It feels like more, hey, are you out there? And it's it's just shooting in the dark. And I think when they if if it were to be based on the receiving of that message, I can't imagine that it would be a hostile environment because it's just it, there's no I mean there's there's a human circumstance and that's why I, I try to like look at the alternative is like there's as a human thing if we were to send a message to a, a, a tribe let's say that had no form of communicating technologically and they were like what the shit is this phone <laughs> like they would get scared and they would they would fight back if we were to try and come up to them but if we are the instigator of the message they and then they come to us it might be more exactly exactly okay. and there's there's that there's the calling to come cuz we don't have the resource to get to you but you guys could have the resource to get to us we can just try to communicate on a on a very base level we're not even interacting you know i was going to say you know until you really reached that point i was going to say well as humans we have have had a terrible track record of you know even inter internationally mm-hmm. you know visiting other countries and when yeah, we visit yeah. them we tend to do pretty bad things mm-hmm. um I think speaking of you know christopher columbus and stuff like that um we've had a history of doing terrible things but then again we have not there had not really been a history that i can think of i could be completely wrong that we have the unexplored have initiated contact with explorers yes that's and that's an express yeah. intelligence Yes. Where le- part of the dehumanization and the problem with, you know, what ended up being a sl- slavery and oppression and stuff, you know, speaking solely of the North Americas. Yeah. Uh, they, you know, people thought that the people they were mistreating were less than them and not, mm-hmm. not intelligent. Yeah, there's just, a whole attitude that was added yeah. to the fact because they didn't know how to talk to us, but we know how to get to them. Which is an advantage that hopefully, you know, we, they, we, they don't have. <laughs> yeah, I I think looking at it now from that that perspective, if they could have gotten to us, they would have known how to communicate with us beforehand, and if they could have gotten to us without communicating to us, then there's also like, why haven't they? Yeah. And there's I I watched something I think it was the uh if on Netflix there's the explained ones they have different ones there's like the mind explained there's sure. just stuff explained I've there's seen those. there's one a coronavirus explained. Hmm. There's a, I think there may be another one, but in this one, there's there's an episode about aliens, and they have these different theories of of why we have not been able to have any any direct interactions yet, and there's one for example that we're just not worth it. I mean we uh, we since we have that we were talking about yeah there's the the resources that they're not lacking, so why do they need to take from us? And so they're like ah fucking okay. Maybe and then there's another one. It kind of plays in this, but it's the the barrier theory. The great barrier. Great, theory. I thought it was great filter. Regardless, I thought it was the great I think filter. It's, it's maybe the same thing, which is where you there's barriers that you have to or filters that you have to re. Or I say more barriers because it's easier. It's like a track race. Yeah. You get over one, and that kind of is a, a step in your evolution. Yeah. I think for us was the development of the cortex, and then kind of consciousness, and and that that was the the definitive. A barrier for us to so go from just mon- exactly just go from monkeys to conscious beings that know what the fuck's going on right now. Sure. And so I think that 
for us, we could have reached our peak. That, the next barrier that we should have needed to breach, we could have not been able to. Like, for example, AI. That could be the barrier, yeah, but we haven't reached necessary. it yet. It's necessary, exactly. We Being able to, to, sure. to integrate our biological consciousness with artificial intelligence and being able to become one, like the singularity is kind of the next thing, hopefully. I mean, it seems like. Um, I can't remember the other theories, but there's some like, maybe they haven't can't reach us yet. And we're, maybe we're the best ones. Maybe we're the, the, the smartest, most intelligent beings in the, in, the, in the universe. Maybe they know about us, we can't get to us. Maybe, maybe they they're behind us. us. Maybe they're behind us, exactly. Maybe they don't even understand what they just received. Maybe they just started getting technology that receives information from, from antenna Imagine type stuff. picking up a radio for the first time, turning that thing on, and just hearing like noises. No. <laughs> and you're just like, oh my what god. What the fuck is this? Yeah, that would be... Just an ape no. grunting on the end of the phone. You're like, what the hell? It's just, just noises. <laughs> it's not, nothing else. Yeah, but like that... To them, that's what it is. And I think it if, be, if yeah. but if, if it's the other way around, let's say, and they try and send us a message that feels like noise, the fact that we know that we don't understand it, I think would be something that speaks to our intelligence that is like, well, we know we Recognize don't know. It's something, but we don't exactly. know. Exactly. How do we, now how do we get to that Maybe something? Maybe radio static f- is alien messages. That'd be sick. That'd be crazy. That'd be pretty cool. I was thinking about this, super random. Uh, want to just jump on this weird <laughs> tangent, but the idea of like wavelengths yeah. and how the higher the what is it frequency and wavelengths smaller, yeah, yeah, yeah. the 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 quit the faster, how fast it undulates, yeah. So it starts with sound and it ends with and the fast it ends up to being light, yeah. And that concept mm-hmm. it goes from one sensation to an entirely different sensation. That's fucking crazy to me. And I was just from thinking of like forms of communication yeah. as being we have. A form of communication that is almost based entirely off of sound. It's based yeah. on wavelengths created from our vocal cords that that have an, a specific form that makes sense to us. Now, what if this is this is just on top of my head right now? What if like these species of alien species that can that are able to travel into the galaxy? And have yeah have have developed to that extent and have the resources to be able to reach us. What if their form of communication is is so fast, so intelligent that it is not about it's not it's not um it's on the like another spectrum of wavelengths that is light. So have they you seen Arrival, purely the movie Arrival. No, I want to see it. It's Somebody, a really someone suggested movie. it to me. Yeah, I really no, want to watch it. Um, it's really good because it talks about how these aliens come through and they communicate via like com- complex pictures yeah it's like imagery and time is not really a construct for them what the shit which is uh, which is ends up being a really I don't know, a big part of like what's interesting going on. um so i don't want to ruin it for you but yeah, it's yeah, yeah. that it ends up being like this one woman like gets really close to the aliens and it's amy amy adams, amy adams yeah, and she breaks the code and it's it's a good movie. It's not necessarily an interstellar type thing, but it, it it's a twist of an interesting, ending. interesting. Um, but the theory. So I thought what I thought you were saying initially on the great barrier your theory barrier theory. Yeah. Was I was going to offer something called the the great filter theory. Okay. Which is that it's it's a suspect that you know we've life has been around on Earth for a certain amount of time, right? Mm-hmm. And we are developing late. 
you know, kind of in terms of how, how life goes, in terms of when the planets were made or whatever. So we have two options. Why has there not been alien life? Why have we – it is it is a higher probability that some other species somewhere else has developed intergalactic mm-hmm. travel faster than we have. If that's the case, and then why aren't having they contacted us? Mm-hmm. Then again, we might be the first, so whatever. But the Great Filter Theory states that it's suspect that we haven't been visited yet. Mm-hmm. So – what like given that we've just in, we've invented nuclear power fairly recently mm-hmm. maybe the step and the like the necessary technology to create space travel and intergalactic travel what if when you invent it it like it the science behind it if you don't fully understand it destroys your civilization like what happens when you use untested science that would be necessary for space travel and you don't know what it does and it backfires. Interesting. And the the they're saying the scientific uh, dis, there is some step in human population and human like there's some step before the invention of space technology, intergalactic technology that destroys your civilization. And obviously if, the if misunderstood if misunderstood or perhaps it's just inevitable. Perhaps you believe like perhaps you create this thing and a byproduct of like the blast off or whatever okay. is equivalent of like a hundred nuclear bombs going off, and you don't know that's the side effect. Yeah. So there's there's that thing there's that thing saying well a requirement for visiting an intergalactic space travel destroying Earth. in civilization might be like a, a step in that process could result in the end of civilization and a complete mass extinction, which is frightening and that is frightening awful to think of and also makes you think of you know what we're doing to our planet right now maybe the industrialization that is necessary for a space flight is what ends up consuming the atmosphere and ruining life holy shit yeah i did not think of that that's an interesting concept because it's so many resources put into because yeah. it's gonna be so many resources expended into that one ship going one place yeah that perhaps it uses up all of earth resources well like the bill well, i was saying about like how we earlier we we, we with environmental um, awareness is that we've acknowledged that since the industrial industrial uh, era, mm-hmm. industrial revolution, that we have basically, if if the if you were to create a graph and you were to say uh, uh, effect as the y-axis okay. and the x-axis is time, we what we did is we started at let's say the yeah, whatever. This works. I'll just draw it out so you see it. Is that you start? Um, you start kind of in the middle yeah. of the of the graph, and then you start and you just continue to go low. And the time is not uh, time is not passing very much. I mean, if you think in the grand scheme of Earth, we so it's have been a precipitous fall. Exactly, it's been a precipitous health. fall, and it's it's is still it falling. Are we talking about Earth health? What are we talking about? Earth resource and usage. also in our usage of earth as in it's the increased it's I, yeah and yeah. it's it's continuously or i guess we'll say the other way around yeah it's it's it started it at zero start at the bottom and yeah yeah you just continue to increase and increase there's a point there where i think we reached it a long time ago and i think we're still in i think we're still going down or going up in that in yeah. that uh the the effects of it is that We've done it in so little time that when we're not giving ourselves a lot of time to, to actually that figure curve. it out, so it's kind it's of going to have to live for a couple, maybe a hundred years or so, to with no resources exactly. if possible. Exactly, if possible. and so that that kind of thing with the the great filter um, theory is that it might be like the buildup 
of could be what we're seeing now exactly the building up and it's like all right now we built it now we need to fuck up our own planet it's like no 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 no. wait 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 let's just not leave yet yeah but then again there's a value system there that is like would we rather be okay with a mass extinction and a and a new civilization being sprouted from that or would we rather have you know not having the the space exploration and yeah. continuing the the growth of I think it'd become into like a virus and uh, in the sense that it would just we'd overpopulate to the point where we we'd still die we just we're just putting it off. It's one of the uh, the biggest arguments for against NASA is that why are we exploring other planets when we need to focus on our own? Yeah, well that's so I've actually talked about that. I th- I agree with that theory in the way that it is. We have enough money for both. So that's what I'm saying. I, so that's, that's what I thought. It's like we have enough <laughs> money to invest money. both. Yeah. Let's do both. But I think I think there has to be like better. We have to. We don't understand our Earth enough to fix it clearly because we've we've yeah. dug ourselves in a hole that is much deeper we're than we realized. Too late. We started way too late. You think about like nuclear power, like Chernobyl. They didn't. They just built that shit. Didn't know how to turn it off. And that would be the idea behind the Great Filter. Exactly. Theory. It's yeah. that. It's that. Like there. There is. We've built the power. That that hole is too big to get out of with just one ladder. We need to figure out a series of steps that lead us back to the back to a you know a, a a healthier circumstance that is that is our civilization. But um, there's also what you said about how like why hasn't um, in the grand scheme of time, like we're fucking late in this whole thing and in, in all yeah. of existence and why hasn't anything come by? That's also actually a, a produced, that was another one. Another theory was we're just too late. Everything else already died. Like the, the whole, the opportunity yeah. was, was when the dinosaurs were around, but we weren't around when the dinosaurs were around. And so then when, uh, and then they died. And so like, now there's they also the aliens might have died like twenty five thousand years ago and we just, or millions of years ago and we just missed it. That sucks. That concept is like if you're if you were at a party <laughs> blindfolded and you knew your friends were around but you heard them you could Say feel that. them mm. and then all of a sudden you you put on headphones and then you so you couldn't see them and you couldn't hear them then you took out the headphones you took out the blindfold you realize like fuck no one's here they all left yeah that that's the thing terrible. that's exactly like the loneliness of that that's a sad way of looking at it but i think also it gives us the chance of like all right all right we're the only ones here let's figure it out and then it could be the possibility of colonization in a sad. way that is that it huh sad oh it's really sad <laughs> but it but it gives you the chance to be like a productive person in your environment because it says all right since i'm the only i am the only nico kennery that will ever exist in nico kennery mm. and my my consciousness is the only one that could ever exist right now so let me do some shit with it and it gives you like a uh there's a bit more individuality agency, yeah, yeah a bit a sense of agency over the circumstance yeah. that you're in and that's something that like i don't know that would help that would be nice to have and be able to use and, and also it gives you it feel it, it kind of would uplift you a little bit because it's like now I'm the only one. Yeah. We're, we're the only not, like intelligible species. All the other ones fucked off a while hmm. ago. So let's continue to build an Earth that people would, if there were, to come to, to and stick around. And we also we we do the sticking one, and we do the one where we we figure out how to be able to explore all these other possible uh, planets that hold life. That would be so cool. And now the the thing is that we don't know. 
These are all theories. Like, they're all hypothetical thought experiments. And, like, it, it sucks talking about it that way because we're just purely speculating. But it's also really fun. Sure. It's fun to throw out those ideas. You know I love my hypotheticals. Yeah, you love a good hypothetical. But it's it's like stuff like that where, like I I, I may never be an astrophysicist. I may never I never work for NASA. It's unlikely, but it's, it's, it's you know. But it's also be there for. there is a possibility yeah. that I could all of a sudden start taking all physics classes. Like a and hard astro- left turn. Very hard left <laughs> turn. Almost almost a U turn. But that kind of concept, that's a possibility. Yeah. Within like. Yeah, with time, your your chances of things, the doors start to close. I don't like think thinking of that like doors because there's about a billion doors. <laughs> so it's more of a it's more of like a a tube and there's just the tube has narrowed itself more and more and so your space to be like as expansive as you can is kind of narrows itself with time, you become more funnel. specialized. It it is really a funnel. And um but I think it's work well and I think with that Focusing on the productive way of either enjoying life the best, enjoying Earth in the best way, or be enjoying the uh, uh, existence of Earth on on a, on a universal level. I I don't know why why that would ever be like a negative thing. No one's ever said like astrophysics is stupid. I mean, they, people have said that, but no one's ever said it in the way that it is. It is purely pointless. There is a point to it. Of course. Because let's say the sun blows up. Let's say that happens. The black, I mean, we kind of get Someone would kind of know what to do. (laughs) We kind of need to figure out what happens before that happens. Before the sun fucks off from everything. Yeah. And we're still around in nine, whatever, nine billion years. If we, if in nine billion years, we don't figure out how to get out of here or we don't figure out how to make the earth solid, at least decent enough to then get out of here, because I think that's where it needs to start. We need to figure out, like, let's stick around long if enough. If we can, yeah. And, and it's going to be a couple. We got, we got time. We got, we, got, we got time. We have a long time in, in the grand scheme. I was, yeah, that's that was something I was thinking about. It's was more like, likely that our race dies before we see the end of the sun. Yeah. Right now, that is probably is just probabilistically just true. If you see, think about like life on Earth. Yeah. Well, there's also so many things that could kill us that are outside of our control. Solar flares, fucking a massive earthquake just popping off on so us. I was so afraid it was gonna happen in Cal- uh, California. California was an there. earthquake. San, I was sending up prayer, prayers for the San Andreas fault. <laughs> just praying, stick around uh, a little just longer. Don't, don't split right don't, now. Don't, don't keep splitting. Yeah. As soon as the plane takes off. That's you got do it, Do your brother. thing. Do your thing. I'm not worried. Callie can tank it. Callie, they can tank it. I, for one, cannot. But the um, but also like there's there's incredible tsunamis. There's um, volcano eruptions. There's there's a lot of things that are an asteroid Would you rather could hit be near us. A volcano eruption or a tsunami. <laughs> the real question. No, I know. I'm thinking. I don't know. I, I, it's like, would you rather get hit by water, which I've done a lot, or would you rather get hit by lava? But not necessarily hit me. by I'm just saying like in like the being zone. next to it. So yeah, I'm let's saying say dying you from are... Water, dying from drowning and getting yeah. smacked in the face with fucking... Alligators wa- and sharks. That would be sick. No. <laughs> no, brother. It's not, it's not that cool. But like, no. well, that versus like lava. I've never I've seen lava yeah. like in Hawaii they sure. volcanoes but like I've never seen I've never felt like dying but it was it's usually the ash 
that gets you? Yeah, even thinking about in Pompeii, what what ended up not getting oh, you wasn't really it wasn't the even molten lava, lava. It was just there was so much ash in the air that it nah, settled lame. on people and it suffocated. Yeah, and it was burning. Know. It was molten, yeah, molten ash. Molten ash so, so it burned down. as well, but it also went in your lungs. And okay, I'd rather be next to a a, a tidal wave or a tsunami. A tsunami. Than than ash. I'd rather suffocate. I'd rather get drowned and just murked. By a fucking by water. Way. Yeah. But I, I was thinking more like, like, this is the cup yeah. is the the exit a of hurricane. the like you are you are in a really bad hurricane on like one of those small poor islands. That's just lame though. What no, do you that's mean? Not lame. That's not, not lame. lame. <laughs> no, no, let me go back. That's not lame. That's fucking. It's like, it's like a. A superficial thing because it's not. It's just coming from above. It's all. It's it's affecting what's like, current. And that's what I'm saying. It's like it's all above. I'm I'm thinking like coming yeah. the earth straight you up. You can like throw away from it. You can like yeah. exactly. Whereas whereas like you can't like fly above the exactly. water. The, yeah, yeah, yeah. But then again, the ashes from the air. That's that's why no I'm I'm against the ash thing. I was thinking lava. You just stand like right if this is the volcano, I'm standing I'm standing right there and it just spurts all over me and I'm just done. That I'd be fine with. Yeah. More so than a tsunami, but I think a tsunami is probably the coolest thing to look at before. It, ah, they're not that cool. I'd love it's to a see long, a, uh, like non-casualty involved. No one's dying from a tsunami. But just seeing it just happen. Seeing it oh, just yeah. well, absolutely thinking, destroy like stuff things <laughs> things breaking yeah i guess what i was thinking was just like if it had to be if i had to go away in a way in if i if there was a way i had to go i think it would be better to get murked by a tsunami <laughs> than choked you by a fucking die imme- i guess yeah that's right you can Not die really immediately really? i mean if you if you get if it hits you and then you fly into the wall you die you're gonna, yeah, you're gonna yeah, die. You're wrong. If a if an alligator has its mouth open as it's flying at your face, <laughs> you're probably gonna die. I think the only circumstance where you don't is if you, like if you if you've Fantastic ever watched The Impossible, swimmer. you activate your water wings. <laughs> you just you, you, you were just preparing for a scuba expedition. Yeah. You're like, oh, I'm oh. prepared for this. Dive in as, it's, as the current <laughs> is flying the wave, into yeah. the. Well, have you have you seen The Impossible? It's a, it's a uh, I saw it on Netflix. I never watched the full. It's thing. a very. I watched it in theaters when I was young, and I remember being like very rattled. But I yeah, watched dude, it. I would be I, rattled. It, it's a fucking crazy movie. But it's about the tsunami, Indonesia tsunami in two thousand four, and they they get murked. They get like murked. you see the scene where the kid's standing by the pool or something, and just poof, and it's they not. live. Like I think it's based on a true story. Like I mean, yeah, it's based it on the true story of Indonesia. But I think it's also the portrayal of the people, I think that's what actually happened to them. Couldn't be me, Chief. Couldn't be me. Well, <laughs> it could be, but I wouldn't want to go about no. it. And I would not, I don't think I could mentally put myself to go about it in the way they did. That was resilience times a thousand. That is fucking, that is one of those, I mean, like I was telling you about um, Michael Scott Moore, the, the journalist who was in captivation for two years and eight months. Yeah. Like, I don't think I could do that. I don't think I could survive. Yeah. I think after a year, not even, I think after a f- couple months, I'm like, eh, you're good. Yeah. You don't have to get me. I'm just going to shoot myself. Oh my God. 
But it, it, obviously, yeah, no, it, it would, yeah. it's, it's where it that's, comes from. That's the interesting thing about listening to that you're, podcast. You're starting to think about that other way out. Yeah, well, you're thinking... Partially of, in there. You're like, you, you come up with... He would talk about... He comes up with scenarios where he could shoot his way out. If they had left, <laughs> a, they had left a gun or something around him. Well, Iron Man. Yeah, fucking... Getting out of the cave. Exactly, exactly. There are scenarios where he could talk... He thought he could talk his way out. There were scenarios where he thought he could um, manipulate the situation to... Guide it like there were so many theoreticals you would th- run through. A lot of them were just like, "All right, fuck it, I might just kill myself because yeah. I don't think." I mean, a, after a year, how do you have hope? Yeah. And then he goes another year after that. I don't get and why then, they held him that long. To be honest. Well, there was this. I think it was because no, negotiations did not move along, and and also it was interesting. The uh, the the ransom was paid by his like his mom organized all these people. We got all these companies and, and people just to get it together and, and raise 1.6 million. And it's like, that's really impressive. But like in that moment, I think him thinking, he has no idea what's going on. He has no connection. To the, I think he got like a call every once in a while. And he, the first person he called was his mom. Yeah. But his mom, his mom had How already been debriefed. How pissed was his wife? Did he have a wife? Yeah, his How wife. How pissed was his wife that he called his mom first? That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I, I haven't heard anything about yeah, that. Yeah, I know. Yet. I'm assuming that's not something they talk about. Yeah. But. <laughs> well, they, he had like, in his notes, he had all these phone numbers that were actually going to call him for the people that could help him. But he didn't. They took his notes, so he had to call he the, the number memory. he could remember. Yeah, uh, and so he yeah, called. Yeah, I feel like that's the only number I'd, I'd my dad and mom's number. Is yeah, exactly. Number. And so like, when they, like that's just I don't know. That's just nuts. It's just a weird thing to think about as far as like the mental state you have to be in to even for me to like I can say, like passively. I mean not, but I can say like, yeah, I just kill myself. The, the the actual thought the concept that would to actually cross my I'm mind it. to yeah. go through that mindset of like oh I'm I actually think that I would be okay with not living anymore the weight that has to be on your back oh, yeah. on your conscience to think I am a, I think it'd be better for my family and my and me and my mom and my and my uh, my work everything my society if I just killed myself. It doesn't even, I can't even, I can only joke, I can not joke about it. I can only talk about it in a, in a very, uh, you know, uh, like outsider's third person. Point of view. Out, outsider's totally point. outsider yeah. point of view. It's a crazy thing. I don't know, I don't know how, I don't really want to experience that. No, ever. never. But I mean, that guy has a very unique point of view now. I mean, like I was saying, he fucking, uh, whatever, forgave the, the, yeah, the I guards. just don't see that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's like that's not how you should do that. Yeah. But it's it's because he figured it's not worth holding on to that hatred. It's not worth being so mad and vi- yeah. and he's not like he's gonna cross paths with them. Although on Facebook, one of the guy he's messaging you're, one of the guys. You're, now. you're kidding me. One nope. of the people who kidnapped. Yeah, him? they're not friends on Facebook though, but they message. And he was saying like he keeps a distance, but they're messaging. It's. Insane. Uh, what are they talking about? Are you no kidding idea. me? What the, what I, I, that's what when I ended. On? That's right when I finished the podcast. I'm gonna listen to it afterwards. But he's like, "Yo, bro. what's up, man? Yeah, I don't <laughs> trying even, to hop on Kai. Yeah, like, what, <laughs> like, are they, like, what are you talking? I don't even know, man. I mean, he was he was talking. So, about, what'd you do with the 1.6 million? <laughs> <laughs> well, they have. Well, the thing is, is like, it was. It's an interesting cycle they have going on there with like, they, um, they need the the only way they make money is through this this ransoms and stuff and so they 
and because it's so many Captain people. Captain Phillips situation. Exactly. There's but there's so many people involved yeah. that the money gets really Trickled. distributed yeah. and then it's not it doesn't even end up being that like one point six million for like a hundred people. But that's English money and like US money too. That's true. That's true. Where, where I don't know what the country was. Somalia. Somalian money. Yeah. And there's no government in Somalia and like there's a comp I think in the town that he was in for a lot of the time, he uh they have they I can't remember the, what they call themselves but the pirates they call themselves like the the people's police or something and they they would they would basically police the the shores of Somalia but they would they no that's not what they do that's not police they they no no it's worse they'd actually they managed to capture people from like hundreds of miles from the shore so yeah. that's not policing no. that's just a name you're giving yourself that's not it's a word. Yeah, it's just you're just putting a label on something that's not it. But um, the well, the cycle, this whole thing about the, it's it's their only source of revenue. There's nothing. I mean, the, Somalia is an incredibly poor country, and the, it's it's fishermen. It's like fishing and pirates. That's it. How do you it. get out of that? How do you? Climb it's insane out of how you get out. I mean, you can't almost. No. Um, and they talk you about pirate your way out, baby. Yeah, but then what? Like they, he'd talk about exactly. these guys. He'd talk to these guys on the guards and stuff about their aspirations. Like, and they'd realize and a lot of them would say like they know that there's more to life than being a pirate, and they know that they want to get enough and then get out of the game. It's like what's a, easier what's said than done. Easier said than done, but also what's after the game? What do you do? What is the what do you put in your resume there? You go, yeah, yeah, I like, used to kidnap people and uh, ransom them to their yeah. families. Or I shoot and them. And maybe kill them. It, it's kind of a 50-50 operation. Yeah, exactly. Don't ask too many questions. I'll do the job. Yeah, it's like, I just trust me. I do a good job. So why do you think you're a good fit for Best Buy? <laughs> it's exactly that. It's like the 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 life experience you have is so unique that it doesn't Sir, even help. Sir, this is a McDonald's. <laughs> Sir, this is exactly. It's like, what is that... I mean, he has no resume, so he kind of can start his life yeah. over. So it might work, but I mean, the the interactions he's having are going to be so monotonous to him because they're so or her maybe. I mean, I guess there's some female. Maybe some female. They say there's some, but it's mainly just men, and they chew on this like uh, plant called cot, and it's a uh, it's a narcotic, mm. and it basically if you're feeling negative or you have depression or anything or physical pain, it just numbs it, and you feel nothing. And it's kind Certainly of like no side effects. It's kind of like MDMA, where you it's your do, it's like a lot of dopamine, and then you wake up the next day and you feel like garbage, so you do it all over again. You read and it's just a cycle like that. So there's all these. It's interesting. Like he talks about it. It's like all these cycles that just keep themselves imposed upon. So there's the system of, of lack of government in Somalia. There's no policing in, in any of these towns. That's a big thing, too. The pirates yeah, are the police. Sure. The pirates are the legislature. So by, the, by not having any sort of authoritative set figure that has any sort of laws, because like they talk about these laws that they have, but they don't abide by them because there's, there's levels of loyalty and, and other things that matter more to them. Uh, and then the... the so you look at that on a on a individual level. I mean, getting out of that, and then and then there's also the circumstance of fishing. I mean, so many fishers get cat taken hostage, and it's fishermen, like yeah. yeah, fishermen from fucking Somalia. It's like you're stealing your own people. You're not even helping anyone. Yeah. So it's it's such a weird cycle. And then then the like I guess saying about the financial circumstance about how they don't they don't have a way out. So it's not like there's an alternative. It's like oh, just get a job. 
fucking what job? Yeah. Fish? You kidding That's, me? It's like, no, I'd rather steal people and hold guns and Kalichnikovs and whatever else. I think and to them, I mean, that's that's all they know, too. There's oh, no, yeah. no there's, the alternatives is like what they've seen in movies, what they see on television and stuff, what they see on in books. But there's no real sense of opportunity um, out there. And it's kind of the same thing about Hillbilly Elegy. There's no there's an opportunity there. Yeah. But it always seems unattainable. It Which seems super nothing. interesting to me though about it there's that saying that uh something along the lines of you know uh bigger storms create bigger men something like that which is like essentially hard times create you know or there's the, the pressure creates diamonds yeah you can that there's so sense. many yeah, of those yeah. phrases that you just keep rattling off yeah. you've heard from coaches or seeing like uh significant figures in your life but um it's very interesting like those circumstances there's like a fine line between circumstances that help and shape you to be a struggle that shapes you and a struggle that like puts you down. Mm-hmm. And it's very much like an attitude, but all, I mean, again, there are other factors like Somalia, you can't get out. Mm-hmm. But like with Hillbilly Elegy, that his mindset and the way he attacked life was unintentionally extremely positive. Yeah. You know, it was unintentionally something that helped him be great. Didn't you say he talked to his mother, his grandmother? Grandmother. grandmother who had who had these, you know, very absolutist ways of thinking about life mm-hmm. and very, you know, motivational that, you know, ended up speaking to him. Mm-hmm. So, like, in stuff like that, like, he had, he got out. Like, he had this traumatizing slash horrible upbringing. Yeah. But he... It created a mindset within him that allowed him to be where he is. I mean, you said it was Harvard, Yale, something like that. Ohio State Ohio graduated State, a year yeah. and 11 months and then went to Yale And then went school. to Yale, that's right. Yeah, yeah. So it was a mindset that gave him success. Exactly. And then, you know, there uh, these circumstances with the pirates where they're in these hardships. They've been doing all this crazy stuff and they're doing the best they can, but they're not going anywhere. Mm. And that's something that's I think it speaks to America and it speaks to the American dream. But it also speaks to privilege of being in America. Yeah, um, yeah. There's there's levels to this stuff. Like the it's poorest, geographically extremely different. Exactly. But, but also even like the poorest of. So thirty four thousand dollars a year. I think that was in twenty eighteen. So it could be like fifty thousand dollars a year is mm-hmm. one per, top one percent of the world. So mm-hmm. that concept alone. Is it fifty? Like we'll just say Something fifty like thousand yeah. dollars. Fifty thousand dollars is not a lot. There's mm-hmm. that's that's not in the United States standards. That's. I don't even know what that is in the in the percentile of the United States, but in the that's, world, that's what most you know, not most, but that's college. You graduate college and like you hope to make that, like that's you you, you hope out of like directly out of, directly college, out of college. That is not unheard of to be making, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and that um, the fact that it is the top one percent in the world, like that just that's a privilege that is unfathomable for us because i have no idea what like i mean imagine being like in the going to ethiopia and having fifty thousand dollars and having your salary continued in in ethiopia you're you're a beast you're Hmm. awesome and how but imagine like a person in the top one percent of the united states going to ethiopia It's, it's 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 not even close like the levels that have to be attained to get to that 
is insane. I mean, that is a whole, it is so beyond you almost physically and like emotionally and attitude wise and this whole um, viewpoint that it's almost like, you know what? I might not even care about money at this point because yeah. it's not attainable. And and something like with, as I've, as I've grown, I mean, I've, I used to, I mean, I still kind of do um, a pre- really have a dense appreciation, not dense, heavy appreciation for, uh, for material things and what money can, uh, can get you. And I've, as I've, uh, you know, had more life experience and more um, vision, I guess, on, on just shit that goes on. I've come to realize that like money, as good as it can get you stuff, there's a there's a certain level that is like internal happiness, sense of self, sense of self through the world, um, just having having experience and an attitude towards your experiences that yeah, it, that'll help you be happier and feel fulfilled yeah. better than like money could ever achieve. Yeah, I think it's it speaks to something that you know you always hear in sports or whatever, but being process oriented, mm-hmm. and process oriented can mean a lot of things. Like when you're working towards a goal, be love the process, love doing what it takes to get the result, mm-hmm. and that's kind of what you're talking about. It, it applies here and how maybe it, there's a lot more to life than money. Mm-hmm. You're talking about that, sure. So. Enjoy what you're doing to get money. Mm-hmm. That's exa- there's a, there's an attitude there that helps a lot, and I think also another part of it. I mean, obviously there has money gets you food, gets you shelter, uh, helps sustain those things. So I think like there's and I'm not I'm not I wouldn't say I'm a so- socialist at all, but that's where I'm like okay I understand that makes sense because yeah. at least get them get them there. Get the like level the playing field in the in the way that like lift the the earth a little bit so the fence drops a bit the fence is less there, yeah. and by doing that give that other person that quality of life exactly. that you may take for granted but not you know I'm not saying no are, exactly you know, give that other person that quality of life that allows them to make other decisions allows them to go other places exactly and it gives you the there's there's a obviously money has has a specific um, psychological effects but I think with that. You're then given the opportunity to flourish within that that space, rather than than barely having enough food, barely having enough shelter, yeah. barely being able to sustain your life. I think when when survival is not the issue anymore, which is kind of what I I think in the long run, I just want to make enough money to to live, and then from there, if I can make more money, fucking I'll do it. Well, that's yeah. That's that's the argument about how you know that's how we industrialize. That's how we mm-hmm. created civilizations. That we used to be hunter and gatherers, and we used to be, you know, going meal to meal, which we see a lot of people do still like, t- today. Still, yeah. they're working meal to meal. But as soon as uh, there's a surplus, that was that was the key thing. Yeah, as surplus. soon as we started farming, we could grow things and store them. Mm-hmm. And now there's a surplus, and now they don't have to send everyone out hunting. And now mm-hmm. we can spend some of the time working on technologies and how to um, build Make houses, life easier and, and settle down. Yeah, yeah. And that's the root of civilization, and we're not giving a lot of people the opportunity to mm-hmm. do that. And with to that, contribute. I mean, yeah, not even the opportunity. Yeah, not even the opportunity to experience it, but to contribute to it. Yeah. Yeah, we've got a lot of offering, and a lot of demographics, or you know, certain people yeah. in those demographics aren't given the opportunity to. That's for sure. I just wonder where this is gonna happen, man. I mean, like, is it gonna get better? 
Is it going to get worse? I hope it gets better. I, I keep seeing things that indicate otherwise, and that's not... How so? Like... See, I say that, but I say it also like in a, with a grain of salt because I don't know. I don't know the future. I say in like social unrest, for example. But I say that gonna get social worse unrest it gets better. That's what I'm I saying. think. Well, yeah, I think there's going to be more anger. I don't think yeah, things are going to get worse. Thing. I think you see social unrest and you go, "Oh my god, it's it's bad and it's it's not good for society now." But I think that that social unrest is a sign of it being better in the future. If you think about any of these social unrests mm. that we've seen, yeah. you know. Recently, you know, I think two or three years ago, we'd had some social unrest and it got a little bit better. And, you yeah. know, but you see the civil rights movement, which you know I think this movement this year isn't as big and certainly not as expansive, but it's something. And there's been a lot of social unrest for the past four years. And there are some people who, who are like, oh, you know, in the next couple of years, we are going to go into a civil war and it's going to break apart. That's, what I, that's exactly the possibility. But don't you think they felt that way when we were the, the civil rights movement? But, you know, in this, it was the 60s, I guess? 60s, right? yeah. 60s, yeah. It was, it, didn't you, don't you think there's some 50s. white people sitting at their home going, this isn't going to end well. Like, yeah, yeah. We're going to get our guns and, you know what? Yeah. It, See, that's what I, I'm not. I'm it gets not, better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, I think, when I say I don't think it gets better, I don't think in, like, the social unrest part. I was just thinking, like applying a factor there a variable of it but i think this is i think what was going on more was like be the where the social unrest could take us okay now i actually think based on what i just remembered and what you remind helped me remind of was the aspect that things have to get better but things have to get worse before they get better so i think yeah. there's going to be a f- inflection point it's going to be a shitty year. It's going to be this shitty. This has been a shitty this year. This has been shitty, and I think it, it may not get better yet because we haven't yeah. seen that significant. A president fucked off, and <laughs> we have another one. That's it. Nothing much else happened. He just loves golf so much. It, exactly. He was like, eh, you know what? I don't need this anymore. Yeah. I'm going to go play golf. But the but all jokes aside, I think like there's, I think it's going to get worse. More than, more than uh, yeah, I'm going to go back on the retracting of, I'm going to retract the, the it's going to get worse period. Yeah. I think it's going to get worse before it gets better. And we I have a lot of steps to go. Possible. We have a lot of steps to go to. There's, there's a lot of changes that are going to have a lot of trade-offs, as all things do have. Um, and I, as, think, I think we said earlier in the podcast, just kind of bring it full circle, is the best things come from change. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, on that note, we just hit three hours. Wow. Um, yeah, this has been it's been a great time. This has been fun. Shout out to everyone who's still here. Yeah, if anyone's still here, thanks for listening, and um, we'll see you on the next time. Take it easy, lads. Peace.